0: You can now hear movie heaven, movie hell on Stitcher. Stitcher is ready on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discover from 20,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows. You can also create your own custom playlists. Stitcher is available on iOS, Android, Nook, iPad, and in over 4 million card dashboards. You can stream your favorite podcasts from Stitcher. Don't have Stitcher? download it free today at stitcher.com or in the app store and please leave us a review and rating on stitcher thank you Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell, with me, Simon Aiken, and
1: and I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers and also lifelong fans of the Alien franchise.
0: Indeed, we are. So uh, this is our Alien Day special. As you may know, uh, 20th Century Fox is celebrating the f- 26th of the 4th, or as it would be uh, said in America, 426 which is, of course, corresponds to the planet that uh, the Nostromo f- uh, lands on and, of course, uh, which Ripley returns to in mm. an So, and, nice. are, and
1: are you going today to watch, uh, you know, both of the movies?
0: Uh, I'm afraid I'm not. Um, I haven't found anything that's uh, that's happening in London. There's There seems to be events happening sort of in other cities, you know, in, in the country and over in the States, but... I haven't really found anything here in London. So... Well,
1: Cineworld is showing it back to
0: oh, back. Oh, okay. They are oh. showing
1: the first two films back to back. So, uh, um, not that I'm here to plug Cineworld in any way, shape, <laughs> or form, but um, I, I do happen to know that they are they are showing it today. So,
0: as, as I have the Alien Quadrilogy
1: on Blu-ray, I
0: think I'll I think I'll stick those on.
1: Yeah, they'll probably be playing it from the Blu-rays anyway. <laughs> 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 so uh yeah fair enough um before we crack into the alien thing by the way i did want to just say um uh, a quick thank you actually to rob wickings for um uh doing the the last extra with you which was uh where you talked about grading um i found that very interesting to listen to and uh yeah uh, you know obviously a topic um, some of the things that you opened up, there are things that hopefully we can come back to on, on future podcasts. So just wanted to say thanks, Rob, for, uh, for stepping in and covering me on that one.
0: <laughs> he, well he was the you know the guest that we were interviewing so. well yes exactly yeah. but
1: no I, I would have loved to have been interviewing him as well and uh, <laughs> you know i found some of the stuff you were talking about really interesting so i uh, want to want to visit that at some point but uh, well anyway I mean,
0: we'll certainly have uh rob back on at some point so i hope and, so I hope you so. can ask him his your questions then
1: yeah yeah definitely all right sorry back to aliens <laughs> or aliens <laughs>
0: Or
1: whatever, the <laughs>
0: franchise. <laughs> <laughs> uh so um there's not much more we could say about the films. I mean there's a there's been a lot being said, but um but we can talk about our personal experiences of seeing these films. You mean we uh, don't
1: meant we haven't mentioned them on any other podcast, Simon? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, it didn't come up in the last podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is true. Yeah. Yes, that's
0: true. But every other podcast, yes, it has, it has come up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the
1: the Wachowskis had no connection to the Alien franchise. There you
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they did have power loaders in uh, a, uh, Matrix Revolutions or very sort of power loader influenced um, vehicles yeah. in there.
1: Not as well done I have to say no. but yes. No. Yes, very much so. No, I think yeah.
0: Cameron's the king of the power loaders because I the the one in Aliens and in Avatar they are great.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, and we love Cameron too. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> For the most part. That's it.
0: let's uh let's start from the beginning Keith. So, um what film did you see first?
1: Oh, my God. Right. Um, well, with Alien, uh, it's, it's always been something, you, you know, again, we always go down memory lane with these things. And, you know, I can remember uh, as soon as I was sort of old enough to read, I, I was I was reading comic books and uh, film magazines as, as, a, as a young kid. And I remember that um, I was always very aware of Alien. Through uh, magazines like uh, Starlog and Starburst and Cinescape and, and, you know, things of that nature, which were um, as well as comic books. Those were the type of um, uh, which I considered very grown up at the time, by the way, magazines that, that, that I would read um, or, you know, at least start by looking at the pictures of and then and then starting to read the interviews as I got older. Um, So I I was very aware of Alien through that. Um, Having said that, I didn't see the film for many years later. And it was another one of those, um, you know, wonderful VHS uh, memories. And, you you know, probably saw it not long before I would have seen Aliens. You know, I I think those sort of things... I definitely had bought both films um, when they became available on sell through. Um, I had them both on on VHS uh, video from Fox. Um, I remember in sort of matching covers at the time. Uh, Yeah, and was always a real real fan of those but i have no idea in terms of actual dates or whatever as to when i saw those in fact quite possibly i might have even seen them on television first i'm not sure
0: well funny you say that because i saw alien first and i did see it on tv and i actually um i think it was the first time it was being shown on tv so i was very very young so growing up as a kid i was a big sci-fi fan and you know first film i ever saw at the cinema was star wars and i got to see like you know uh, same here you know, <laughs> star trek rafa khan um you know all those kind of films and if if i wasn't watching them at the cinema i was watching them on video so uh, you know i would be watching films all the time and every summer Uh, for two weeks uh, me my brother and sister would stay at my nan's up in Banbury so that my parents could have a break and uh, (laughs) yeah the one year uh, I was staying up there they were advertising that uh, Alien was going to be on TV and somehow I convinced my nan to let me stay up and watch it and she stayed with me so I was about six when I watched it and i can remember i sat through the whole thing and at the end i remember just bursting up and running upstairs to my bed
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it is it is a pretty uh the first one certainly is a pretty scary movie um you 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 know and uh yeah i can imagine i have
0: to say the second one is pretty scary as well because um i saw aliens when i was a teenager me and my friends we would uh talk about films a lot especially um action films and we'd quote lines all the time and stuff and uh, uh one of the guys in our group um he had seen aliens and he sort of highly recommended it to us so um and also just i had just watched the, the terminator recently as well about mm-hmm. that time and of course i i I'd, I'd seen it's one of those things where i saw i saw robocop and i remember the trailer for the terminator on there and then so i was able to see the terminator loved that and then of course you know you sort of go well who's the director of that james cameron what else has he done aliens like the sequel to alien you go i remember that (laughs) no absolutely uh, but the thing is though the it's very tense i mean the the first time they get to the colony and they're going through those deserted corridors it's quite tense and the whole bit there's always that jump scare when burke is next to the face hugger you know <laughs> and <laughs> it jumps out
1: yeah wow. it hits the jar. Oh, no. yeah <laughs> that used to get me out all, all the
0: time and the scene with um ripley newt and the face huggers in the medical center
1: i could what a great scene. it is a great what a beautifully directed scene. but for a
0: yeah, long absolutely. time i could never watch it
1: yeah no, I hear you. I mean, yeah, there, there is something about uh, you know having that reaction when you're young, where it makes you sort of close your eyes or turn away from 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 the TV or hide behind the sofa or whatever, you know. And um, uh, yeah, I, I seem to remember the earliest uh, viewings of these films definitely had that kind of uh, kind of effect on me. Although obviously I was I was very excited about them because I mean, interestingly, there, there's quite a you know by today's standards there, there was quite a a jump in time um between the first two films because what was it it was six nearly seven years wasn't it i think
0: it was seven years it was 79 yeah.
1: for alien and 86 for aliens you know, I, as i said i, I remember be, always being very aware of alien um because of the coverage that it got in in you know sort of sci-fi magazines and comic books and and Film magazines and things of that nature, um, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 sort of leaning to think that I probably saw it first when it was on when it was screened on television, and um, you, you know, I mean, it's one of those films that that, that many years later, um, I did actually a, a lot like they're doing at the moment. I did actually go to a um, uh an alien stroke aliens uh screening at that the at the local cinema right. but that was obviously that was you, you know some years on um but uh you know they've always sort of done this this thing it might have been on a you know different anniversary of, <laughs> of the franchise or something well but, uh... I,
0: I went to see um alien at the big screen um they they, they showed the director's cut and I remember I actually, oh, yes. I, remember yeah, I remember actually that. going and seeing it at the um the Odeon Leicester Square. So I, was yes, sort of I saw it on it there a Big too. big screen. Yeah. I mean the only problem was I you know that the Alien director's cut is a 15 and just it's just not as scary as you know the theatrical cut. And yeah. it was just it was one of those weird things where I would have been quite happy to watch the theatrical cut on the big screen but they had to change it because they had to do something different because you know when that came out we just it was just after the star wars special editions had come out so you you had to change it you couldn't you just couldn't do just like a re-release you had to you know had to put new material in there Audiences just yeah. wouldn't be happy in watching the same whole thing.
1: No, no, I'm. I, I remember. I remember that as well. I mean, it, when it was shown in Leicester Square, and I, I saw it, and I remember it came out around Halloween time. So they actually changed the poster to say, "This Halloween, uh, no one will hear you scream," as opposed to "In space, no one can hear you scream." You know. So I thought that was uh, that was quite quite amusing. Thing. But uh, but yeah, I I, I like you prefer the theatrical cut.
0: yeah wasn't it the the fact that they were re-releasing old horror films every halloween because i think it started off when they we finally got the exorcist in cinemas in england and it in the 90s and it was they they it came out for halloween yeah maybe and i just remember they did like re-releases afterwards of other horror films mm. for halloween
1: yeah quite possibly i mean I mean, it wasn't, it. you know, that when that director's cut came out of Alien, that wasn't actually that long ago, was it? I mean, when I say that long ago, I mean, it was it was post 2000, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So, well, I mean, which is which is 16 years ago. So it was a long time ago. But what <laughs> I mean is it's not like it was back in the ni- 80s or 90s or anything. It was um, it was it was post 2000. So. um. I, I only know that because I know I was living in London at the time, so uh, oh, you know okay. I, I'm kind of using that as my timeline. But um, but of course the the other the other big thing that I remember vividly, and this is going back into the into the 90s and and you know the sort of home video era um, at, at the time was that the, the big thing was, and this was this this was you know again sounds like nothing by today's standards, but what was the release of aliens as a special edition and i remember that was a really big deal you know to have that extra material in there that was a really big thing on video at the time
0: well i i remember that in in one of the papers they ran a a whole load of photographs uh from scenes that weren't in the theatrical cut and i remember seeing that a year before the special editions came out and they would i think it was kind of like a pre-promotion for it they were saying oh there's these, all these extra scenes that you've never seen in aliens that fleshes out the stories and it's like you know there's like half an hour more or so and you see like um newt's father with the face hugger on his face and uh, i think there was like a shot of the um the sentry guns
1: Right, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, because because this was kind of the thing that then started that whole trend of, you know, director's cuts being released. You know, you had ov- obviously, you, you know, it happened with Blade Runner and, um, uh, you, you know, there were quite a lot of other things that, around that time that started, uh, yeah. you know, releasing to, to video um a special director's cut so you can actually see more material and things and it, and it sort of started a bit of a trend which uh, as i said we, we we sort of think nothing of it nowadays because y- y- you know it happens all the time with dvd and blu-ray releases and well and even cinema releases now um well but...
0: yeah, that's it i mean we got to see things like um the touch of evil that was recut to awesome well's notes yes which you know up to that point you'd you'd never have seen because it just you know it was just one of those things where you know hollywood didn't even think it was you know they could make money out of it but then you know like video releases of alien special edition and also you know the recut of the director's cut of blade runner which they did show at the cinema i remember
1: oh that's right yes
0: and also i i remember at the time as well they um because blade runner was part of a video series where they had sort of uncut or special editions of old films like um stuff like the wild bunch and cruising
1: yeah no i remember that it did it did sort of start a trend before the trend of going back and changing things which which obviously came towards the end of the 90s but um but yeah i mean you you know I remember I got the, even though I had the theatrical cut of, of Aliens on, on video, I did also get the um, the special edition version as well. Uh, and obviously was very excited about all that. But in, in retrospect, I have to say that, you, you know, for, from a storytelling point of view, I do actually favor the theatrical cut over the um director's cut even though it's nice to see those extra scenes um i kind of prefer the tension where they're landing on lv 426 not knowing what they're sort of going into i I sort of feel that showing the colony on lv 426 before all of that kind of takes away from it slightly even though it's cool that you see the derelict ship and the um and the face hugger and all that sort of thing early but uh yeah. well it's
0: funny because i was going to ask you which version you prefer and uh i have to say i agree with you i i'm a f- i'm a fan of the theatrical cut yeah uh, you know, all the nice things that um the special edition adds, like um seeing ripley's daughter mm-hmm. and you know learning what um hicks's first name is <laughs> Dwayne, yeah Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know and the whole scene with the sentry guns and stuff but the the thing about the theatrical cut is it's a lot tighter i mean we get to lv426 a lot quicker as you say you don't know what to expect and also you know the the, the bit with the sentry guns does diminish the alien presence a bit yeah yeah and it does make that middle section seem a lot baggier in my my opinion but you know but the thing is at least we have both versions this isn't a lucas where it's like oh you can only have one version that's my version
1: exactly it hasn't overwritten it no absolutely i mean i kind of i kind of fill this with um as you know i'm a big james cameron fan but in general i tend to prefer his um theatrical cuts over his director's cuts, even though it's awesome that he releases director's cuts, and I, you know, I love it with obviously Terminator Two and and and, and you know all of that sort of thing. But um, but generally, I always feel that the uh, the theatrical cuts are tighter and just work a little better in terms of storytelling.
0: But saying that, I think the only one for me that works better than the theatrical cut is The Abyss.
1: Oh yes, yes. Yeah, so of course, because because that's obviously that's less about just adding scenes and fleshing things out and more about actually, you you know, a different explanation and, and, you know, an extended ending. So yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. The abyss works very well. In fact, annoyingly, that hasn't come out on Blu-ray has it? The abyss No, it has not, I've got the, you know, the the special edition DVD uh, of the abyss, which is wonderful because it's got both cuts of the film and it's got, you know, loads of extra features, but interestingly, for some reason, Fox have never seemed to release that on um, Blu-ray, which I find quite odd.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's, it's very odd, I, and I, I don't know why. It's just it's very puzzling. Hmm. I mean, yeah, and it's one i like to see on Blu-ray because I mean, the DVD of it's just is is great. I mean, I actually got the US version of it. Oh, right! right first came out because the british one was just vanilla it was just
1: oh that's right yes that's what yeah. i've got as well absolutely yeah, yeah it was the two yeah. disk special yeah yeah nice nicely packaged and everything yeah i've got i've got that one
0: i got a uh, multi-region dvd player so i could watch that <laughs>
1: yeah no absolutely i mean um for a for a long time particularly in the sort of early noughties um you know, I, I think nowadays it's on a more even playing field. Um, you, you know, as a rule of thumb, but definitely back in the the, the earlier days uh, of DVD, um, largely the US versions were, were, you know, far superior in terms of um, you, you know special features and and commentaries and and e- extra bits and pieces, definitely. And uh, you know, like like I said, I keep threatening to do a. Um, uh, a, 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 a blog or a or a video cast or, or something about this at some point but uh, yeah I don't know <laughs> it's on the list of things to do you know <laughs> which sadly is is even longer than the list of films to watch so uh, whether I'll yeah. ever get there who knows
0: <laughs> going back to Alien yes um, I mean the the creature itself is such it, it's just this one one of these sort of amazingly designed things that you know there's been there was nothing like it at the time and there really hasn't been anything like it since that kind of groundbreaking creature that sort of you know changed everything because before then you know alien creatures were you know they they all seemed to be
1: men in suits absolutely yeah they were men in rubber suits where you could see the zip (laughs)
0: Well, they 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 were very sort of humanoid in shape. Yeah. So if you take like the thing from another planet, even though he's supposed to be carrot, he still looks like Frankenstein.
1: Even though we love that film, but yeah, I know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: And of course, Dan O'Bannon had made Dark Star before making Alien, and of course he they had an alien in that, which was literally a beach ball with feet. (laughs) yes but saying that it was probably you know as cheap and uh as fun as it was it was probably a lot different to the other aliens you've sort of seen you know the sort of war of the world type aliens
1: yeah no i I mean the stroke the stroke of genius by ridley scott on this was was absolutely getting hr giga involved and um of course i agree there's 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 been nothing uh quite as original since, but obviously that whole sort of biomechanical look has been sort of um copied by many other films since, but uh but probably not quite to the uh the same level of success in terms of in terms of the design. And uh it really was, you know, as the name would suggest, completely alien. So uh, you know, it worked. Absolutely.
0: I would say that it was actually Dan O'Bannon who brought um uh, Giga onto the, the project because uh, Dan O'Bannon had been working on uh, Juradowski's Dune. Oh, that's right, yes. He had brought all these artists together. So, you know, you have the likes of Ron Cobb and Chris Foss. Oh, yeah, yeah. The idea of, of bringing these different artists together and then they concentrating on different aspects. So you've got uh giga working on the alien and the alien planet that lv426 yeah
1: and Cobb was working on the nostromo and and all of that stuff wasn't
0: he He was but he was working on the sort of uh internal because he came up with all the sort of airlocks and all the different symbols you see everywhere
1: mm-hmm.
0: and chris foss was sort of the design of the ship the outside of the ship
1: that's right and these and these names that you're mentioning i mean yes they were absolutely um those magazines that i said that i was that i was looking at from my childhood you know the 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 starbursts and um uh, starlogs and those sort of the magazines um you know those those were all the people that were um that were being interviewed and and, and talked to uh, in those magazines so uh, yeah yeah they, they did they bought fantastic work and it was and it was good to use you know various different influences in one film so that you know you had this sort of it didn't look like it had all been designed by the same person you know you had you had those different worlds and uh, exactly. um, yeah it works exactly. really nicely No, I, I agree entirely yeah. <laughs> so um and and you know and and likewise I like um what Stan Winston did uh with those designs for for aliens as well. Um
0: Well indeed I mean that was that was the brilliance of of aliens was you know taking what they had built in alien and and just making it bigger. Anybody who's listening to this probably knows that in alien there was um they kind of had a different life cycle than they do in Aliens. So the there was a scene that was cut out with Dallas where he was being transformed into an egg. So the the life cycle was that it was uh you had an egg with a facehugger that implanted a chestburster into either a, you know a human or a creature or, or a dog or whatever, and then the it would burst out become a, a mature alien and then that a sort of the warrior alien would go around grabbing people and then start turning them into eggs so that there would be more creatures, you know, to propagate their, their species.
1: Yeah. Hence the cocoon scene in the alien director's cut.
0: Yeah, exactly. But because that was cut out, it gave Cameron, uh, you know, his own opportunity to, uh, to sort of build upon that life cycle to say well actually it's more like a an ant hive with a queen and from that film onwards that's been the uh the canon when it comes to the alien life cycle that the, the uh the, the alien we saw in the first film was just a, a warrior and the eggs come from a queen who you know as we say we've seen in you know it was an amazing design and just you know, it looked part of that universe. It didn't look something weird and different like, you know, Skeletor and alien resurrection.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I mean, this, this, this is, this is the thing that, um, you, you know, uh, Cameron did that was, that was really, uh, clever in expanding out that whole universe is obviously Ridley Scott and the team around him had done an amazing job on alien, absolutely amazing setting up that world. And, um, you know, Cameron was true to that. You know, he didn't go in and reimagine it or redesign it. He went in and it just expanded on it in an imaginative way, and uh, obviously got his team uh, to realise that, um, like you said, through well, Stan Winston and many other people, and coming up with that wonderful design for the for the Queen, which uh, you know works fantastically well, doesn't it? You know, it really is impressive.
0: It does indeed. Right. We were able to do, record a couple of interviews for this podcast and so we're going to play the first one now for you and that is with Trevor Steedman who played Wabowski wasn't it? Was it? <laughs> yes. Yes. He played Wabowski, uh, one of the marines and aliens. So um, here you go. Uh, enjoy this interview with him. So how did you um, start off being a stuntman? I just
2: fancy doing it really. And uh, made a few inquiries back in 1981 as to what I needed. and to get a few qualifications or re-qualifications. I already had some from the previous few years. Um, and I actually got on the register working as a stuntman 1983.
1: Where
2: um, where did you go to train? With the Welsh Guards at Purbright.
1: Fabulous. Okay. Um, now I mean, you know... I, I certainly know from my point of view, growing up, uh, always being very aware of, of, of stuntmen and uh, what they do in the movies uh, very much at the time. Uh, I remember on, t- on television, we had the, the Fall Guy, you know, which Glenn A. Larson brought to us, which was sort of inspired by the Burt Reynolds film Hooper.
2: Lee um,
1: with Lee Majors. That's right. I've got every
2: episode of The Fall Guy at home
1: you do oh my god did they release it has it been released yeah Yeah. (laughs) brilliant um but no i remember i saw a a a program on the bbc once called um great movie stunts raiders of the lost ark and it was it was about the history right from the beginning of cinema um the history of the stuntman right the way up to that point of um of, of you know what was then raiders of the lost ark and uh it, it was it was fascinating um fascinating to watch. I mean what what was it that actually inspired you to 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 sort of follow that as a profession?
2: I think watching Hooper
1: Oh really? yeah, <laughs> I'm glad I mentioned it then. <laughs> so so what you were a Burt Reynolds fan and you saw that that film and uh, sort of thought that looked pretty cool.
2: back in them days, I used to
1: look more like Burt
2: Reynolds than Burt Reynolds does. Ah <laughs> fair enough. So, what was
0: the um the first film or uh, TV show that you did stunts on?
2: Uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall.
0: Oh wow! Really? Yeah. All oh, right. What what did you
2: do on Pink Floyd, The Wall? Many different things.
0: Okay. Well, no, because we we did a, a podcast recently talking about that film because it's um it's kind of like one of those undiscovered um, gems. Did you did you like do a lot of the stuff with these skinheads?
2: Yes, we did. I was a riot copper. We had a riot with all them skinheads one night, and they'd all been given rubber bricks and big rubber bits of wood. And when they started shooting it, there were bits of fucking television coming flying over and everything, proper bricks.
1: Wow. Okay.
2: And I was with a couple of the older stuntmen, and one of them said to me, on the next take, he said, if any bricks come over here, I'm going to go over there and fill that head in.
0: Do you think it was a mistake then that they actually used real skinheads in that film? yeah
2: and they were what they thought what they made out to be from a place called tilbury in essex tilbury skins fair enough and i mean um in terms of uh
1: you know many of the stunt coordinators and stuff out there you know like the Vic armstrongs of the world i mean have have you have you worked with you know for those guys on some of these films they they've been you know the stunt coordinator that uh that's been in charge. Is, is that correct?
2: Yes, and, I work with um, Vic Armstrong. on Rob Roy
1: up in Scotland okay. with Liam Neeson. And and how how's Vic? Can you tell us a bit about him? What is what he's like to work for?
2: Oh, a super guy.
1: Yeah, a very gen- a very nice gentleman. Fair enough. Yeah, he he seems. I've, I've spoken to him a oh. couple of times, and he always seems very, very, uh, very, very passionate about what he does, and very happy to share stories, which is good. <laughs> Yes. Excellent. Well, I mean, one of the things we've got to mention, because we always do on this podcast, is uh, one of the franchises that we talk a lot about, myself and Simon, is the Alien franchise. And um, I believe that you actually had a part in in the Aliens movie. Is that correct?
2: Private Wispowski.
1: Yay! Wispowski! Wispowski! <laughs> So how how was that working for with with James Cameron and things of that nature I mean how 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 was it on to be part of that military ensemble in that film I absolutely loved it Have you got I mean have you got any uh a, any interesting stories from that one I mean I I hear it was um from from various sort of makings of and commentaries and things I've read and listened to uh you, you know there there was some there was some tension between um, the Americans, i.e., you know, James Cameron and Gail Ann Hurd, and some of the uh, the, the, the English crew. It, 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 is that true? I mean, did, did that come across, or was that something you
2: weren't aware of? No, I'm fully aware of that. And, uh, it is actually true, yeah. Um, James Cameron, he knows exactly what he wants to do. And when we were on the set, he'd be setting up a shot ready to get done, and he'd suddenly say, where's the um, riggers, and they'd say they're at tea break, and the whole fucking crew would all go off and have tea break, when he was ready, getting ready to do a shot, you know, so, they all used to say, oh, he's a miserable old sod, but he wasn't, he wanted, if he, you know, he was the director, so, I think they should have um, knuckled down a bit more, really.
0: Is it true that the, uh, the tea cart got destroyed? I'm
2: not aware of that, but I wouldn't have been surprised.
1: But I, I, how did you, I mean, you, you know, obviously you kind of agreed that they needed to get on with it and whatever. How, how did you find James Cameron to work with? I mean, you know, I have to say he's one of my sort of film filmmaker heroes and I just wondered, uh, you know, it, did, did you have a lot to, Did he give you much direction or did he just kind of... Uh, um, you know, let you get on get on with it. How how was he?
2: No, he was quite meticulous. Every scene, really. Yeah, fantastic. to would work for. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> and uh,
1: a bit a bit of trivia about um, Private Wozbowski. Apparently, in the uh, in the Alien novelisation, uh, Ripley had a thing for him. Uh, so I don't know. Did you did you? How did you get on with Sigourney Weaver?
2: Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> After laying in the um, sleep pod next to her While she had them little grey knickers and fest on Well That's <laughs> quite a thing for her as well
1: <laughs> Yes, yes You and in, you in many uh, Many hot-blooded
2: males <laughs> Yeah, she's been in many of my fantasies
1: Now, an- another Another franchise that uh, I'm looking at your IMD B credits here and uh, it looks like over the years you've been involved with uh, a number of Bond movies as well can, can you tell us a little bit about
2: that well just really general playing villains and getting shot and killed and in most of them it really
1: fair enough I mean on a view to a kill what did you do on that one that was with
2: uh, Roger Moore who, who did you play on that one Um, An assassin trying to kill him, Uh, uh, an old chateau in France.
3: And as I climb up
2: the balcony, Roger Moore shoots me with this um, rock salt shotgun through the curtains, and I'm flying off the balcony. Excellent. And uh, what about Goldeneye? I'll be honest with you, I can't remember what I was doing on it, but it had been getting hurt somewhere.
1: right. Right. Uh... I get I guess getting shot and diving off things all blends into one after a while, yeah
2: <laughs> yeah
1: fair enough. <laughs> you know you've you've obviously you've worked on a lot of uh, you know movie productions and TV series, etc over the years. but for you personally, what what would be your you know what are you most proud of and what did you have the most fun making out of everything that you've done? um
2: i've got some good memories on only Fools and horses oh really okay (laughs) i did an episode of that um and i actually played a police sergeant metropolitan police sergeant and uh the wardrobe department actually got my uniform when i don't know if you remember but all the police uniforms were upgraded upgraded to a, a new uniform and they hadn't even been issued out to the police yet and they actually got hold of this one for me. And um, I'm standing down the pavement waiting to do this shot. And I actually had two normal coppers come walking up to me and said, all right, Sarge, what's going on here then? I said, <laughs> they're the filming. And one of them said, That's the new, is that the new issue, uniform? And I said, yeah. He said, we haven't got out yet. I said, I suppose I was lucky. <laughs>
0: I mean, how was it working with uh, David Jason and uh, the, the rest of the gang on Only Fools and Horses? Oh, fantastic.
2: It's the episode where they're selling wind-up dogs that bark and flip over backwards out of a suitcase, meant to be in a big department store. And Rodney's meant to be keeping an eye out for the police while Del is doing all the business. And um, there's a bird putting some knickers on a mannequin in the window, so Rodney gets a bit waylaid and watching that and then next thing they play the Jaws music and you see my head coming down the pavement <laughs> i spot both and there's a big chase all through this big big shop and it ends up in these alleyways out the back and I, I'm, I'm still chasing him and um, he's running with the suitcase with all these wind up dogs in are all barking and um, that's what I'm following I can hear these dogs barking so you see him running down these alley the alley followed by me and the final scene, um, he gets away, and all these dogs are joined in on the chase, chasing this suitcase, because it's making all the barking noises. And it ends up with me coming, running back the way I've just come, followed by all these dogs chasing me. <laughs> Well-fashioned fit-up, I think. Was,
1: it, was, this, was this back when it was um, uh, still Grandad, or was, or was that later when it was um, Uncle Albert? Do you remember? No, it was, what series it was. Yeah, it was it was one of the very early ones, yeah. yeah
2: okay. 1983,
1: I think, eighty-four. Wow. Okay. No doubt that will be on gold <laughs> gold channel one day, you know, at any point, because they seem to be constantly rerunning them. So uh, I'll have to I'll have to look out for that one. <laughs> yeah, <is laughs> I it? do like any as well. Yes, yes, it is. In fact, you can get the, the box set of, of yeah. all of them. So, yes. yes. Yeah, I might treat my uh, my dad to that. He's a big fan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, you've been working with um, Andrew David Clark on a, a documentary called Alien Encounters. Um, how's that been going?
2: It's going quite well, really. Still need to get a few people on it, but it's doing very well, actually.
0: And uh, have you enjoyed
1: working on that one?
2: Yeah, I like working with Andy. He's a good fella. Um,
1: I see as well in your in your credits that you uh, that you did some stunts on Superman for the quest for peace. Um, I was wondering, I mean, you, you know, did, did you meet the late Christopher Reeve? And, and if so, have you got any sort of memories or, or stories about him that you can share with us? Well,
2: the scenes I did, he was fighting. I think it's called Nuclear Man. That's right. And they're having a big fight in the. Um, Oh, I don't know what they call that big building now. But we, I turn up with this SWAT team in this van, and as we pull up outside the building, nuclear man sort of puts a spell on the front of the van, turns it upside down, spins it round. All the um, SWAT team jump out, and I'm the last one out. And As I'm coming out the back door, he, he shoots me up in the air about 100 foot. Well, I didn't even know I was going to be doing it until they started putting the wires on my harness. And these wires were like pubic hairs, not much thicker. And um, I thought, God, that's never going to fucking hold me up there. And they ended up pulling me right up under a crane. And not only did they pull me up there, I was spinning round and round and round on these wires. And all I could do was look at these wires thinking, oh, my God, I hope they don't break. Because looking directly down underneath me, all I could see was. the. And how
1: was how was Christopher Reeve? Was he, uh, you know,
2: was he a good guy? He was a bit strange. He used to wear his pants on the outside.
1: (laughs) Yeah, why would they do that? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Get a bit more wash time out of (laughs) them. I will tell you a bit of a story about the first one I did. When I did um, um, Pink Floyd the Wall, I've got quite a funny story on that. Yeah, go ahead. Please do, yeah. Uh, Well, I've been blown up during the week, shot playing a soldier. And then the day we were all going home, I remember the director saying to the stunt coordinator, have you got one of the lads that's willing to stay up, stay behind and do a shot for me. And of course, being new, I just went, yeah, I will, I will, I will, I will not even knowing what it was I had to do. But anyway, I stayed behind. Everyone else had gone. And he walked me over to where they built these trench. And it was like the trenches that they had during the war, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and they, were, they had uh, dead bodies laying around in it, dummies. So, I mean, it's panning along the bottom of the trench for all the mud and that. He said, we need a body that looks a bit real. So he said, what I'd like you to do is lay down in that water with the, up, up, up to your chest and up to your ears with your head out the water. And he said, um, we're going to pan the camera along and, and at least you'll look real, not like the dummies. So I've got myself positioned down in this ditch. And sure enough, I'm landing this water, and it's like up to my, under my armpits from my back. And um, they're just getting ready to do the shot. And all of a sudden, this woman's jumped in the trench. And she's, I'm looking at her from upside down, and she's come walking over to me, and she's got this little jar of something, and she's rubbing this brown stuff around my face. And I said, what is that? She said, it's marmite. I said, what the hell for? She said, because the rats like it. Said, oh. <laughs> she said, oh, they're going to put a load of rats in the end of the trench. They're all going to run along. And when they find your face with the marmite on it, they'll lick it off. And um, I couldn't believe it, but I was already laying in the ditch then, so I couldn't really do much, could I? No. <laughs> wow. Sorry enough, just before the tape, I've seen these people walking at the end of the trench, dropping all these boxes in, and all these rats coming scurrying out. And sure enough, they all came running along. And I can remember having about three sat on my face, all licking. And um, they were quite gentle, actually, these rats.
0: Oh, That's, that's good. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want them to be horrible rats. No. no.
1: They, 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 they took the term stuntman to the extreme there, it seems.
2: <laughs> I thought so.
1: <laughs> that's cool. And, and you, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you've, you've got, like, uh, all the episodes of the four guy on um on dvd and whatever i mean was was that was that you know that along with hooper which you've already mentioned were those the sort of things that that you know made you want to want to pursue this as a career because obviously i mean you know dare i ask have you ever been injured uh during doing all this stuff or have you managed to keep yourself in shape and you know, safety being what it is, you've you 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 know you've managed to come through it without any injuries.
2: Touch wood, I've been I've been lucky. I've been burnt a couple of times, burnt my ears and my nose, and I badly bruised a thumb once doing a motorcycle crash on Dempsey and Matepiece. Um, other than that, no, nothing.
1: Uh, what were you doubling? Um, what was his name? Michael
2: Brandon in Dempsey and Matepiece, was it? No, I was doubling one of the um, motorcycle outrider policemen. Oh, I see. Okay. Escorting this coach. And what happens to the coach is it's got terrorists on it. And um, they hit the brakes and the coach screeches to a halt and the uh, cop behind can't stop. And he goes up the back of the coach and shoots right over the top corner of the coach roof and lands on his back in the middle of the M25. It hurt a bit, but haven't had any bad damage.
0: No, that's that's good to hear. I was just wondering, um, would you have any advice for uh, anybody who's thinking about becoming a, a stuntman? If you're a bit
2: mad, don't bother. If you're a clever man and you can work things out safely, then carry on. But some people I've I've met before, they say, "Oh, do you know what? I'll do anything, to me. I'm fucking I'm mad." And I think, well, you wouldn't get very far because the idea is to be able to do the job and make it look how the director wants it without getting hurt. And it's when you can put your own clothes on at the end of the day and go home.
1: Yeah. well, it's always safety first. I mean, at the end of the day, it's only a movie, but, uh, you know, it's all part of creating that art of illusion. And, uh, That's right. I, I know, I know certainly, certainly many of the films, you know, I've, I've always been a fan of sort of action adventure movies and whatever, and, um, they wouldn't be what they, what they are without stunt men. So, uh, you, you, you know, have, have the utmost respect for what you and your peers do, sir.
2: <laughs> do you want another funny story? We love funny stories, please. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. When Aliens was released out in the States, I actually flew out there for the opening night. And um, we were all outside this cinema, and Cameron and everyone, and all the cast. And um, Cameron came up and he said, I'm the... Um, The photographer from the uh, Hollywood Reporter is here and he wants to take a picture of everyone. So I watched where everyone was getting on the steps. Sigourney Weaver was sort of halfway up in the middle. And I thought, well, if I get somewhere close to her, my face would be on the front page of the Hollywood Reporter. So I've got myself positioned a few steps behind her to the right. The fellow with the camera is getting it all lined up and that people are gradually filling the kit, filling it all in for all the rest of the cast around us. Just as he was about to start taking the pictures, there was this bloke in a leather jacket about three steps down. He kept moving from side to side and blocking me out. So I moved back to another position. Fuck me and do it again. So in the end, I've leaned down. I said, Oi, mate, do you mind keeping still? And who do you think turned around? I'm Schwarzenegger. LAUGHTER Turns out he's a good friend of James Cameron. Yes. <laughs> it was oh, dear. A really Funny moment. Funny moment. You know, yeah. I'd already said enough. And when he turned around and I just looked into his eyes, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> you told Arnie to calm down. I like it. <laughs> I thought one word, out, one word out of you and I'm going to knock you right down
1: the bottom of them steps. But did you get your face on the
0: Hollywood Reporter? Or...
2: I did, yes. Oh, no, really. So it all worked out. That's good. <laughs>
1: Um, I have to ask. Obviously, we live in now a, a time where, where, you know, a lot of stuff is done, uh, you know, s- computer generated now. And I just wondered, you know, uh, have you seen any movies lately that, that that you've enjoyed or been impressed with? Or, or do you sometimes feel that, y- you know, there's too much of that sort of thing and it would be better to have more traditional stunts, you know, perhaps enhanced with CG rather than being replaced with. CG characters?
2: Um, I watched so many films I couldn't even think of any at the moment. There was quite a lot of stuff on Fast and Furious 6 or 7 and it's all yep. speeded up and, that, and I think that just looks ridiculous. should be, let me drive it and I'll do it for prop, do it real.
1: Absolutely. I mean, if, what, what have you seen? Have you seen anything lately you've been really impressed with the stunt work
2: on? Funnily enough, yes. Um, the new Bond film, Spectre. I was very impressed with that film. I thought it was very good. Well, again, it's... Um,
1: Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's, it's Vic, isn't it? Vic Armstrong that kind of coordinates, uh, for those films still, I think.
2: I think no, it's a gentleman
1: there. called Gary Powell. Oh, it's Gary Powell. Okay. did you know Gary?
2: I do, yes. I think he did a very good job of that.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, um, uh, I, I enjoyed it. And I thought the action sequences particularly were, were, you know, pretty well done in it. And it seemed that they did go back to, uh, back to basics and, uh, you, you know do as much of it as they could for real, which, yes. um, which which I think you can you can so tell you can so tell the difference. what's what's next for you, Trevor, in terms of uh, you, you know what what have you got on the agenda next? Are you, are you still doing work as in stunts or have you sort of moved away from that a little bit now and doing more sort of acting and producing work?
2: Well, I actually had a stroke about two and a half years ago. Major stroke, and um, it's taken like the last two years to get back to normal. But yes, I'm just in the process of starting back now. All right. Well, I wish you well with all that. <laughs> you know, you were you know you were asking about James Cameron earlier. Yes. I can tell you about when I first met him. Actually. Please do. Most of the parts in Aliens had been cast in America, and um, there was two. I think two parts for. Private Crow and Wiesbowski that hadn't been cast. So he held um, an audition at a hotel in London for about 180 stuntmen so he could pick who he wanted. And I got invited to go. Um, Turned up at this hotel and it was like a who's who of stuntmen. They were everywhere, all around the bar, all around the foyer. And um, they were saying everyone's being called, called at a certain time and they have to go up to his room and have a chat to him. So I sat in the chair, and I started timing all the people as they were going up, and they were all up and down within about five or ten minutes. I eventually got called, went up there, walked in. We got on so well, straight away. He said, um, so, he said, you'd like to be one of my soldiers, would you? He said, see that piece of wood there? and had a, a piece of wood, like a piece of three-by-two. And he said, I'd like you to take that, go across the carpet, dive on the floor and crawl across towards me with that, like a gun. And that really was um, how I got the part, I think. <laughs> wow.
1: Okay, cool. <laughs> thank Thank you. I mean, thanks for sharing these stories because, you, you know, many of these films and shows that we've, we've talked about here um, are amongst some of our favourites and certainly... Uh, films both simon and i enjoyed growing up so um you you know it's it's always fascinating to 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 hear uh, these insights into it and often on this podcast we talk about the actual you know the filmmakers in terms of the directors etc but um you you, you know stunts are very much a a part of of what we enjoy about these films and um you you know it's great to speak to someone who's who's you know been involved in that and uh and and and, you know perform some of that stuff so thank thank you so much for um for sharing all of that with us really appreciate it
2: no problem so uh i hope
0: you enjoyed that um we've got another interview coming up in a little while with um adc talking about his documentary about um alien fans called um, alien encounters but um before we get to that interview uh we're just going to sort of talk a bit more about aliens
1: (laughs) yeah there you go and and the the listeners that's a treat for you you thought it was just going to be me and simon waffling on and waxing lyrical about the the alien franchise and here we go we're giving you other guests and other perspectives as well so um yeah aren't we good (laughs) (laughs) i
0: mean the thing about the alien films is that um it's had a life of its own outside and um both of us um when we in the interview of adc talk about um alien wars which was this um was, it's not a ride but it was it was an experience
1: interactive event wasn't yeah, it yes
0: yeah yeah and we we sort of talk about that in great detail there but so that's why we're not going to go into it too much here because i'm always just going to repeat ourselves but the thing was that I I remember as a teenager um, I really got into the into the alien world and uh, the one way I did that was by reading the comic books. I, yes. I remember getting all the comic books.
1: These are the Dark Horse comics, aren't they? Yes,
0: indeed they are. And the the first two um, stories that came out were to do with um, Hicks and Newt. The idea that Ripley had uh, disappeared and um hicks and newt were sort of there to you know to, you know to be on earth by themselves and having to deal with the aftermath of what had happened on uh, lv426 and of course uh that all got changed <laughs> when alien Three came out mm. because because they had killed those two characters off and whatever happens in the film is canon It meant that they had to go back and change those characters in the comic books to different characters, which never quite make any sense. But, you know, there you go. But, you know, Dark Horse wanting to continue on with that franchise. So I guess they had no choice but to uh, change the character names.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is always a tricky thing when you get, um, you know, expanded universes through the use of other media such as you know uh, comic books graphic novels and and novelizations and um, you, you know uh, obviously the likes of star trek has, has suffered with this stuff for years you know because what happens on screen is 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 you know always considered canon and um, you, you know sometimes some quite imaginative and and really good ideas come out of the uh, that the novels or, or the, or the comic books. And, um, yeah, it, 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 sometimes they end up being better than what ends up on screen, which is, which is always a real shame, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, of course, Disney are going through it now with the whole, uh, I know there was a lot of fan backlash about the whole sort of star Wars expanded universe, which for many years was kind of approved by Lucasfilm. Um, but you know because they didn't want to sort of tie themselves in and, and understandably so uh those are all now re-released as legends and not canon yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i never thought the expanded universe as being canon but no. i think with dark horse and the the first two alien comics um the, the actual fact that they went back and changed everything was a bit odd because you know i all those sorts of, you know everything else you know even now we've got you know episode seven out there it, nobody's gone back and changed people's names you still have the whole you know leah's twins and yeah. third child and nobody's changed their names to kylo ren or anything no so. no
1: or ben or whatever but no i yeah. mean, I mean may, maybe I, I don't know i don't know this the sort of story behind this but maybe um Maybe there was something in the in the contract with uh, Dark Horse, you know, that for them to continue licensing um, that franchise, that they, they they had to go back and change it or something. I don't know. I I, I don't know what happened with that. But that is odd. That is odd. And yeah. I, so so does that mean then that if anybody's got the the uh, Dark Horse graphic novels where it is newt and um hicks that that, that, that would probably be worth something nowadays because obviously the reprints have been altered is that is that correct if I understood that right
0: maybe I don't know hmm. um I mean the thing is comic books at the moment are kind of dying a death really aren't they I mean I I've, I've got I've got like a lot of Star Wars comics I'm trying to sell at the moment and you know I had like you know first editions of like dark empire and dark empire 2 could i sell them no
1: really okay Mm. i have those as well
0: and i remember when i bought them i was paying 20 30 quid for them
1: yeah yeah
0: well i mean so the the comic book bubbles kind of burst
1: Mm. yeah i'm not too sure i mean it's not i'm one of those people i've never sort of uh You know, there's people that religiously go out and collect comic books and things. Um, I tend to prefer the sort of, you know, hard covers or trade paperback, um, you know, graphic novels of of the entire collections and whatever. And I have a few. But, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not really, although I like a lot of that material, I'm not really that well versed in that world. So I I don't I don't know. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was a big comic book co- uh, collector in the, um, the nineties. And, uh, and so I, I bought like a lot of comics, especially, um, you know, uh, film franchise comics as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, absolutely. Yeah. me too. Me yeah. too. I know yeah. exactly what
1: you mean, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I've never tried to sell any of them, but I do find it interesting that you're, you're having uh, trouble selling sort of, um, you know, first edition stuff. That's, that's interesting.
0: Hmm. Okay. Uh, that's ebay for you oh, no. there you go <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah i mean the 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 alien um i mean it is it is amazing there's quite a lot of stuff out there uh hmm. i know there's a there's also and i think they're still being released um as as we record this there are uh the, the, there's quite a lot of novelizations out there i mean i know alan dean foster did kind of the novelizations for the original um couple of movies but uh yeah. there is this whole sort of expanded series as well of new stories that um that sort of take place uh somewhere within that timeline
0: well yeah or just involving the the alien creature i mean if you yeah. go down to forbidden planet there's probably about as many alien expanded universe books as there are star wars expanded universe books or legends as they're called now
1: yeah no i must admit i haven't uh I haven't read a lot of that stuff. I mean, yes, back in the day, I was kind of into the dark horse, uh, comics and graphic novels. Um, but yeah, in terms of the, the extra alien material that's sort of come out, um, in more recent years, uh, no, I've not really followed any of that stuff. So I don't know whether it's any good or not really, but, um, <laughs> but like I said, that they're, they're kind of going in their own, direction now with the uh with the film franchise anyway so i don't know whether any of it will end up contradicting that well put it this way we've got movies that are contradicting other movies so <laughs> so who knows right <laughs> well yeah
3: yeah
0: so um have you have you been to sort of any conventions or have you met any of the the cast and crew of uh, of either of these films
1: um I've I've not been to any specific conventions on Alien. I know I know that you have. Um, I've been to <laughs> I've been to some sort of more general um, sci-fi conventions o- over the time, and obviously uh, Alien always sort of features quite heavily um, at those. You know, you get people dressed up, um, which you know I know we touched on in the other interview, so I won't go too much into that um and, and yeah i mean you know i i, I think again we've mentioned on a previous podcast that i was I, I was lucky enough to um to spend a little bit of time on prometheus so uh, obviously I, I got to see ridley in action which was uh, which was which was quite cool but um uh yeah specifically off of those movies um no no nobody springs to mind uh that that i've met um or seen interviewed uh specifically I've, I've i've been lucky enough to see cat james cameron interviewed I've, you know i've been lucky enough to see ridley interviewed um i'm annoyed i kick myself to this day i missed a uh stan winston uh interview um and it was a shame because it was not long before he sadly died and afterwards i always thought oh, i really wish i'd gone to that you know because uh, i really admire his work um so yeah yeah uh not not nothing's nothing too specific i'm afraid just quite general well
0: bloody hell come on you work with ridley scott
1: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I don't want to make a big deal with that, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I was, I was there for a little while, yeah.
0: <laughs> Look, I mean, okay, I, I went to the Alien Encounters um convention uh for the twenty fifth anniversary, and uh, the the guests they had there was um, they had, uh Rico Ross, Colette Hiller, Daniel Kosh, Cynthia Dale Scott, and Trevor Steedman. Right, and it's was just you know, it was it was really lovely to sort of, you know, see those guys in conversation. And um, and of course I was there, I was there filming it. So I got to, I got to chat with him a, a bit. I mean, especially um, Daniel Cash, who plays uh, Private Spunkmeyer. Mm-hmm. Uh He was, he was very good to chat to, even though I felt when we were filming the interviews, he, he always kind of had the same story that he would say in the same way. And he'd always laugh at the same point, which was a, a bit weird. Well, I, th- <laughs> I think this
1: happens. I, th- I think when you get, when you get interviewed, I mean, I wish I knew firsthand, but I, I think when you get interviewed about a, a project that, that, you know, you end up going sort of all around the world and, and doing junkets and, and interviewing on, um, I think this this, this kind of happens that you you end up getting a bit of a script in your head and and go into autopilot a little bit, I think. Yeah, but I mean,
0: it was to such a a point that he he would laugh at the same point. Right, right. Not only was it the same words, but he'd figured in where he was going to laugh and everything. And (laughs) because we filmed the the panel two days in a row, so it was always weird when he he started talking, it was exactly – exactly the same as it was the day before which was a bit okay but um afterwards when it all finished we we were at the bar at the hotel where a few of the actors were and a few of the crew as well like the likes of terry english and i think he he was more relaxed then and it was he was easier chatting to him was really great then mm-hmm. And it was kind of like the script had disappeared. Right, right, yeah. (laughs) But come on, come tell us about working on Prometheus.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I was—I always joke about this. I was kind of the stand-in, stand-in. So um, I wasn't uh, an official part of the 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 crew for the entire production. Um, I basically did some stand-in work to to uh, cover uh one of the one of the one of the main standings um which was good because i got to do that for uh three to four weeks on set and then i got asked to come back and do some other work on it so so the cool the cool part was um you know i got to visit pinewood studios uh i got to look at all the all the sets on the different sound stages um i didn't take any photos of anything so sadly other than telling you these stories, I've got no photographic proof of any of this. Um, I just did not want to risk, uh, you know, we had to sign NDAs and I was there covering someone. So um, I was there to just be as professional as possible and blend in. Um, but yes, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I had to hold in the inner geek, uh, <laughs> when I, especially when I went on the the, the set for the bridge of, of, of the Prometheus, which was... Uh, absolutely incredible because ridley being ridley everything was built and everything kind of worked and and really the only the only green screen stuff was was outside the 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 the, the portals and the and the view screen um everything else was kind of you you know built and you know the set was on a gimbal and um you, you know that was really impressive and then of course i had to uh I Had to hold in <laughs> some of the inner geek as well, um, <laughs> because as a stand-in, you, you you have to to a certain extent, um, you know, take a little bit of direction from from the director while they're lighting and planning. For anyone who doesn't know, by the way, I, I'm, and I'm sorry if I'm telling listeners uh, the obvious here, but what what a, essentially what a stand-in does on a, on a big movie is, um, you know the way Ridley used to like to work is he'd turn up in the morning and he'd get together with all the actors on the set and they'd have a, a bit of a rehearsal and a bit of a block through. Okay. Um, after which point the, the actors would basically go off to their trailer and whatever, until they were needed on set. Um, what a stand-in does in that, in that point is that they, they've watched what's happened in the rehearsal and the stand-in will basically, as the name suggests, stand in while they light and set up the camera and tweak and and get everything ready for the scene um, and take any sort of notes uh, for for changes in blocking, etc. And then when the actor comes back, when they're ready to shoot and they call the sort of main team back, uh, you, you know, if the actor has to leave uh, via a different exit or a different side of camera or whatever, you, you, you just let them know that, uh, let them know if anything major has changed, but, um, but that's essentially what you get to do. And, uh, um, you you know, yes, it's, it's, it it was a lot of fun and I consider myself, you know, blessed and incredibly lucky to have, um, to have had that opportunity and, and, and done that for a few weeks. So, uh, so yeah, very cool indeed.
0: (laughs) So, what was it like to be directed by Ridley Scott?
1: Well, I mean, you, you know, it was it was uh, it, it was kind of fun. I mean, basically, when you're a stand-in, you get given um, on the day which when you turn up every morning, you get given a radio, a production radio, and a uh, earpiece for it. And basically, you have a, a specific channel. Each department's on a different channel, and and you're kind of on the main channel because uh, you need to know when you're needed on set what particular set that you're needed on bearing in mind they had about you know six different um sound stages filled at um at at pinewood at this time and um you know you're there to to take to a certain extent a little bit of direction from uh from ridley if he wants things moved and this is only you you know i'm gonna say this now so people don't think um you, you know i'm bigging this up in any way it's only really direction to get things like the camera movement and everything sort of gelling with the framing and the lighting and things of that nature so Ridley is really talking to the the DOP and the camera operator but sometimes he asks whoever's standing in and he usually uses the character name to, can you take a, you know, a baby step to the left or whatever. Okay. Can you mark them there? That's going to be their, their end point, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you, you know, it was kind of fun. Um, I remember one day, uh, okay, this is a bit of a story, but one day I was, I was fortunate enough, again, sadly, no photos folks, but I was, um, I got to wear the the, the, the space the environment suit the, the the space suit, which which by the way were very intricate because inside the helmet was this whole fan system to stop the to stop the helmets from fogging up. Okay, and obviously they were miked inside for sound and all of that sort of thing as well.
0: Oh, just want to say, probably to to stop the actors passing out because. Well oh, uh... yeah, that too. <laughs>
1: Because <laughs> in the in, in
0: Alien, the spacesuits were so they didn't have anything like that, so <laughs> the the actors would pass out. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, obviously, um, you know, Ridley always uses uh Janty Yates, the Oscar-winning um costume designer on 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 all of his films, and she I think she won the Oscar for uh, Gladiator, if memory serves. But um, you you know, who, who's who's very nice, very very gracious, and uh, yeah, there, there was a lot of work that had gone into these costumes to not only look great um you know for for what they're supposed to be in the film but also be as comfortable as possible for the actors as well so um so yes that they've gone to a lot of work on that and and this particular day I was standing in for the actor Rafe Spall who was Timothy's um Timothy's son and uh, I can't remember the name of the character he was playing actually that's completely gone out of my head
0: oh well yeah he was one of the idiots who got lost in the yeah and then he goes oh uh, i'm gonna <laughs> run away from from the 2000 year old uh dead bodies but uh, uh when we see like an alien snake i'm gonna go oh hello yeah yeah
1: yeah well yeah. yeah don't get me started on all of that but yes yeah <laughs> <That's part
3: laughs>
1: the, uh, thing. but anyway I, I i was standing in for him on this particular day and um uh obviously ridley was was off on his radio um and it was, it was the scene where you had to walk down the tunnel. It was on the tunnel mm-hmm. set. And I know that Ridley was kind of, uh, he was saying, we had a flashlight as a prop. And he was asking me to kind of, you know, brush the lens with with the light. And obviously being a bit of a, filmmaker myself i kind of knew what he was what he was getting at with this he didn't want you yeah. to shine it directly into the lens but he wanted you to just catch it so you got like a nice bit of lens flare etc and and you know I, I i did all of that stuff and uh, it was quite amusing because i think um yeah, you know, I don't know whether he was conv- he he realised it was a stand-in at the time, but he was yeah. going, oh, that that that's brilliant, that's absolutely spot on, and all this. But then when yeah when I stepped out and um and Rafe stepped in, I, I was I was on the uh, I was on the headset still, and um I heard him saying, no 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 no, uh, what 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 you did earlier. You know, what you did earlier with the thing. So so uh so, so yeah, there there had to be a few tweaks there, I think. But um but yeah, so I got to do some stuff like that, which was pretty cool. And uh I got to also stand in for Guy Pierce um as an old man. Uh, you know, he was playing obviously uh uh it was Wayland, wasn't it? He was playing. Yes, and it was, um yeah. uh it was the scene where, you know, he walks along with the little dog and they've got that whole sort of graphic behind him where he's explaining everything and uh that was a fun day because they had a dog trainer and this little dog on set and uh yeah <laughs> it took a while to get that to work let's just put it that way <laughs> but but all really good stuff and i mean it was it was you know the the crew was massively professional and um uh yeah yeah it was a lot of fun to do but as as i said you know i was I will reiterate: I was the stand-in, stand-in. <laughs> so that—that's the only reason I was there. <laughs> but but jolly chuffed I am as well that I got to do this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a friend who worked on Prometheus as well. He worked in the um, creature effects department. So, um, yeah. But the the thing was, he he doesn't really talk about it just because he um, he also worked on Alien Three. Mm-hmm so uh, in the creature department there so uh, he i think he keeps a lot of that to to his chest just because he works a lot in that world and uh doesn't really want to sort of spill any of the secrets and stuff.
1: well yeah quite i mean i'm not even sure if i should have been talking about this or not i mean i i tend to uh i tend to usually play it down a bit but you you've you kind of got me jeered up here a bit <laughs> hopefully i haven't sort of crossed any boundaries or said the wrong. no thing. no not at all i mean <laughs> it's, it's alien
0: day for a start there you go it's alien you know.
1: day yeah come on but no i mean it was a lot of fun and i'm very grateful yeah.
0: and you know prometheus is nearly four years old now it is
1: yes it is uh it's amazing where that time's gone
0: <laughs> yeah i mean if you told me this while it was still in production then you'd be trouble. yeah yeah but now four years later i think you know it's all right and i you didn't spill any secrets no
1: no no it was good it was it was just given a bit of an overview and you know i got to stand in for quite a few of the different actors on different days so uh, and on different sets so that 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 was that was quite fun as i said i i, I was very lucky and it was it was a great experience and it was a, a few weeks work and some pay and um you know all good really and, and and great to be in that environment on um on, on on pinewood you know the 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 only thing that was that was pain it was that pleasure pain thing it was it was it was slightly painful because i just wished i was i was more involved than being the stand-in stand-in you know <laughs> but uh but hey you know we, we go on wishing right
0: <laughs> well that's it but saying that i mean you were involved you know which other people weren't yeah yeah no absolutely you had the privilege of going onto those sets and it
1: was a privilege absolutely
0: because the thing is once they finished filming all those sets were torn down
1: yeah it's a shame they're not there anymore it's a shame as i said i wish you know I, I i'll be honest i was too scared to even try and take a sneaky photo uh just because mm. the security on this was was red hot and because i was um I was covering for someone who's, who's a really good friend. And I just wanted to be, you know, the whole thing of getting me on there was that I would, I would be professional and I would know what I was doing. And, uh, you, you know, that they wouldn't really notice that the, the other guy wasn't there, if you know what I mean. And, um, yeah, to, 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 to the best of my knowledge, that, that, that went as planned. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it was really good and uh, a go. shout out to james Payton. i guess i should i should mention him who yes. uh who was the official stand in um on that project and, and got me involved and and you know james james does this as a as a sort of full time job now um, i know he's worked on he worked on specter uh he's worked on some of the marvel films in fact he is actually part of the uh marvel cinematic universe in so much that he played um in Captain America: The First Avenger, uh, oh,
0: he played gosh, yes. he
1: played Adolf Hitler. You know, not the real Adolf Hitler, but you know the the, the guy that uh, um, uh, Chris Evans um, you know knocks to the floor as part of the uh, stage show extravaganza thing that they were putting on during. Um, during the uh the world war Two segment of that film <laughs> so. that's
0: right and oh and he is also part of the uh harry potter universe isn't he
1: yeah yeah he plays somebody Longbottom. Uh, i'm not really into harry potter that much but is it frank, frank <laughs> Longbottom? he plays his dad or some, something like that is that correct uh let me let me look
0: uh uh, no it's neville longbottom neville longbottom but, okay yes well, but he plays his his father and you see him in one of the uh, moving pictures that he has
1: that's right there's a like a hologram a hologram sequence and he's in that so yeah he's you know
0: well, it's, it's 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 not a hologram it's it's, it's magic
1: oh right magic awesome. <laughs> I, I have to confess this is awful people are saying how can you do movie heaven movie hell and you haven't seen all of the harry potter films but i have to admit i think i've seen the first couple maybe the first three so uh that that that's again on a long list of of movies i need oh, to catch up on
0: <laughs> I, I must admit from the third one onwards they get much better do they
1: okay
0: the first two were very literal Right. They, they they beat for beat they were very much like the books but then uh once they got to the third one onwards they started being more like films and then you know, right sort of literal adaptation well i haven't
1: read the books either actually but mm. um i suppose uh you, you know as, as i said there are people probably saying oh what a phony this keith is he says he's a a filmmaker and a film fan and he hasn't watched the harry potter franchise <laughs> <laughs> so you know, ta, ta. i know ta. shame
0: on you shame on, shame
3: on you <laughs> i do think they're very well
1: made and they've got some really good actors involved so i really good people involved so maybe i will check them out at some point but uh wasn't top of my yeah, list you I'm should.
0: afraid. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this is a good point to to move on to our second interview. Uh this is with the filmmaker ADC and we're talking to him about his documentary uh Alien Encounters um, Superior Fan Power since 1979. So we're here with uh ADC uh to talk about his documentary um Alien Encounters, superior fan power since nineteen seventy
3: nine. That's right.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Catchy title.
3: We <laughs> <laughs> started with the first film. Yeah. Actually, before we start, I've got something to give you guys. Ah. Uh, oh, so it's one of those which has a really good wow. Book oh, wow. With James Cameron inside. That's. Uh, oh, I bought you. these when the f- that Avatar film came out in oh. 2010. Oh, wow, so it's like a collector, Yes, are. it yeah. is indeed. Yeah.
0: Have you got? You've
3: got one for yourself, I hope. Yeah, I've hope. <laughs> <myself>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Is, I have to ask you, you have to make a choice. Right. right. Which is uh, Gruerse or Cheddar Gorge. Say again? Gruerse, Gruerse or Cheddar Gorge? Or Cheddar Gorge. There you okay. go, you Cheddar it Gorge. All
0: oh, right.
3: That's Gruerse. They're cheeses in Pachetino. Oh, right. All right. Okay. Um, actually, they're places which... Manufactured cheeses, oh, Okay, so these are. So oh. Is this a figure? Is this an alien figure in, in carved out of cheese? No, 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 they're no, not. No, 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 no. Oh uh, right. Oh, it's it's the, reason, the reason for the cheeses is that's a Kubrick <laughs> that's figure, so that's English. Oh, okay. Okay, right. and that is uh, a Giga. Alien um, figure. So we probably got it the right way around. So yeah, basically these are like collectible figures that you can't get anymore. And oh, I had right. a vast collection of these oh, wow, and wow. I just kind of sold Pretty much everything Alien that I've got now, just to sort of fund the film and everything. And uh, so the, I've got these last few bits. So I thought I'd bring something ah, along And you to the part things. with this, yeah? Yeah, yeah of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be nice
0: to give you a little Alien yeah. each. So, nice. Uh, Very nice. Wow, Thank you this so is
1: much. certainly a way to start an interview cool, yeah. off. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, <laughs> so, 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 any guests listening, if you ever want to come <laughs> for an interview, make sure you bring plenty of freebies with you. <laughs> Free <stuff. laughs> uh, so, Let's start off at the, uh, the beginning,
3: um, where did you get the idea or how did you come to make this documentary? Well it sort of happened by accident really, I got involved with a website called The Alien's Legacy and at the time there was a few, there had been a few websites online, this was slightly different because it was just a forum and, and still is and uh, a lot of the people on there uh, were interested in Sort of props on the film, model making, and sort of really kind of nerdy, lengthy discussion about about the movies. Um, since then, so that was back in 2004, uh, and since then, it's leaned more towards the. Uh, it's evolved, I should say, more towards the costume side of uh, aliens. So basically, people make marine armor, mm-hmm. and uh, they kind of dress up and go to conventions and and that kind of stuff Um, but it's it's a really varied uh, website and a couple of years down the road in 2006 those guys had set up a convention at the um, English National Space Center in Leicester um, where we had Al Matthews as a guest who plays uh, Al plays uh, Sergeant Apone in Aliens Uh, and uh, we had Terry English who uh, made the marine armor for Aliens and some of the armor for Alien Three, as well as working on things like uh, Ormond's Excalibur and uh, King Arthur and things like that. So. Uh, oh yeah,
0: because yeah. I went to the Alien Encounters twenty-fifth uh, anniversary of Aliens, so right, Terry yeah. English was there and he told a great story about um, doing the Mister um, Frost um, armor for Batman and Robin. Right.
1: Yeah. Right, yeah. which was probably about the best thing about Batman and Robin, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. yeah, I think Terry's armor was uh, was definitely as well. And, uh, but yeah, yeah, you, you know, um, yeah, I got involved with those guys, and uh, when this convention came along in two thousand and six, I'd actually um, I had an alien, a couple of alien questions, which I would kind of bought, and uh, not with the idea. Uh, uh, not a view to wearing, I wasn't interested in that, but I just thought that'd be, it'd be kind of cool to have a couple of aliens on my uh, ceiling in my lounge. And uh, so I had these uh, alien costumes kind of all made up on the ceiling, and I took them to this event that they put on. And uh, the event really uh, was uh, kind of a bit like Alien War, which was uh, an event uh, run down at the Chocadero in Piccadilly, yes, in London. I it, went to that. I oh, remember yeah, I going to it back yeah. in
1: the day. and yeah. And on the same day, I also... Because it was, it was when I was younger, before I lived in London, and um, I remember that I came up specifically for the day as a bit of an alien geek to do Alien War, which uh, which I thought was very well done. And again, they had all the costumes and stuff. And funnily enough, I went to, um, I think it was probably Forbidden Planet after that, and I bought, I don't know whether you remember this, they had the Aliens Technical Manual. Yeah. Do you remember yes. that? That had yeah. all the, uh, that had bits of the costumes and the weapons and obviously the vehicles mm. and all that sort of thing. So it was kind of an alien's day out. <laughs> right, uh, yeah. Right. yeah, the, yeah. Do, you,
0: do you remember when you were queuing up, the entrance was right by the exit, so you would always yeah, see them yeah. running out screaming. screaming. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right, yeah, exactly yeah. Yeah. And it, was, it was just so well done. And as you were queuing up, they had the music playing. So you were just, it was just building up the tension. It was yeah. a f- really, it was really well done.
1: Yeah, I thought it was. I, yeah. I, it's a shame it's not, you know, it's a shame they don't have anything like that sort of still there, really. But um,
3: yeah, it was isn't popular.
1: Yeah, it didn't last it was, particularly long, though, did it?
3: No, I mean. it, um, it reopened in Glasgow for a time, and I believe in Blackpool fairly recently, about eight, nine years ago, under a slightly different name because they couldn't get the copyright for the uh, costumes and things like that. But the concept was the same. Uh, I suppose we should tell any, for anybody that doesn't know, it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's kind of like a, a haunted house kind of experience where you're led through a, a labyrinth of, um, what was a laboratory, wasn't it? Yeah, like yeah. a science laboratory, a bit yeah. like the ones you see in the, in the second movie, Aliens. And you're you're led around by marine, uh, Marines who are basically telling you that um, there are aliens in the installation and they're, they're, they're guarded and the rest of it and you'll be quite safe until, of course... They break out and then uh, you've got to run for your life and uh, as you're it out. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The,
1: the, the conceit is you're kind of uh, you've joined a research team that's gone there and um, I mean I, I used to work at, uh, for a spell at yeah. London Dungeon and uh, you know we used oh. to do sort of similar things at, at that and um, you, you, you know uh, in this yeah you had the actual aliens jumping out and attacking people. I, I do good.
3: remember they they must have put somebody
0: in with the group because somebody always gets grabbed. Mm. That's right. <laughs> you always put a plant yeah, in Yeah, you have yeah, a yeah. plant
1: in there yeah. and uh, I remember they, they were doing the whole lift gag where we are all stuck in the elevator and uh, you, you know, and, and they did some really good work with, you know, strobe effects yeah, and dry right. ice and, you know, all of that stuff. Plus some um, uh, if I remember right, the, the pulse rifles even get fired at one point and they, they were using sort of in, interactive lighting and sound effects and all of that stuff. It was, it was really well done. Really yeah, well it was done. Yeah, ama- I mean, it, was,
3: it was an amazing show. When they opened in, I think it was 93? It might be in 92, I'm not quite sure, but around that it time. Was, it was 93. And they had Sigourney yeah. Weaver came down and Lance Henriksen oh, were there right. for the opening. And uh, Rico Ross, I believe, as well. He was in the second movie. and. Um, yeah, yeah, it's quite an amazing thing, and uh, they put on a similar event in, in Leicester back in 2006 and at the National Space Centre, which is, uh, for anyone that's not been there, it's, uh, it's it's a bit like a uh, poor man's version of the Kennedy Space Center which, which isn't entirely a fair description because it is actually amazing when you go there and you see uh, rockets which were part of the British space program back in, built back in the 50s uh, uh, before that. those programs were abandoned and there's lunar modules and uh, there's moon rock all kinds of stuff, a dome cinema and they have these uh, educational uh, suites in there which uh, basically they're, made, they're designed to look like uh, a mission control or, uh, and a med bay and a science lab and this kind of stuff. So those were used as sets uh, for this group of alien fans to create their own alien war, which they called the Alien Encounter. Wow! Uh, and all the money you know, went to charity, I think it was very cheap, it was about five for a ticket. You spend about 20 minutes in the whole experience, first being shown a, an instructional video of the kind of research they did there and then you would go for a walk actually through the science labs until the alarms would be set off and the marines would rush in and they'd try to escort you out the back door as quickly as possible all the while aliens jump out and you trying to kill you just like uh, just like Alien War but the production value was really high because because it was set at the Space Center you know, they had all these purpose-built sets so it looked like something you could see in the movie so it was, it was pretty convincing, I was convincing something Like that can be,
1: yeah. um, Well, I mean, it's it's funny how, as a piece of entertainment now, how popular that's become. Because obviously they've been doing it over at sort of Disney and Universal Studios and whatever for years. But in more recent years, we've had secret cinema. Um, you know do those sort of events and and I went to the uh, the, the Star Wars one uh, last year and uh, which again is one of those interactive all-encompassing uh, type situations and they've really gone to town and decking this warehouse up to look like those various yeah. worlds and stuff.
0: and like I the own. year before when they did back to the future right yes yeah, yeah, yeah they actually yeah I well we all got to see it on the news because they had um, was it the first two days they couldn't open because they weren't ready oh. and of course a lot of people had turned up for it and got pissed
1: off because right. <laughs> they, they couldn't gre- get in they recreated Hill Valley that's sort of, of. right yeah. Yeah. yeah
3: I went to the I didn't go to those ones but I went to the back to the uh, sorry the. Um, I went to the Casablanca one, Oh wow which okay. was really good so they had a huge Rick's bar and uh, you, you'd be sat at your table you know quietly enjoying a drink and the, the, the French police oh, and the staff oh, would turn up and ask for the papers and things oh, like that
1: oh fantastic, yeah, fantastic. Really good, I think yeah. at the moment they're doing a twenty eight. Days later, because it's not—it's yeah. not really secret anymore, is it? Well, secret no. cinema has become like a sort
0: of. Well, the secret you know. is you don't know where it's going to take place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Exactly.
3: So, uh, twenty-eight days later is the the one they're doing this summer. Right. They managed to keep secret. Much to my annoyance, the Prometheus one they did that year—the film came out—and oh, wow. it ran for something like six weeks. and I, I didn't know about it at all, yeah. and a lot of uh, sort of die-hard Alien nerds that I know just—they um they had no idea it was on, so yeah. we all missed it. So it apparently, they did a fantastic
1: show. Blade Runner one as well, which I, I didn't no. know about, oh, about. until yeah. after the event. So, uh, so yeah, so maybe it is good that they've publicised it now.
3: That would probably be the one I'd want to see most: would be the Blade Runner one. I'm sure they might bring those ones back. Yeah, I mean, it's a a cash cow, isn't it, really, for certain films, of course. Well, yeah, because what happened last
0: year was that Empire Strikes Back came back into the top ten. Because it was £50 a ticket and they were selling out. That was, you know, that was box office for... That was
1: counted as box office. I have to say it was well worth it um, Mm. because they they did do a very good job of it. And again, you know, I, I look back, you know, looking back in the past, this sort of all all kind of um started as well when uh they did i don't know whether any of you ever went to uh terminator 3d battle across time yes. um, no i never got which, a chance yeah well you know it was better than some of the other terminator
3: sequels to <laughs> oh, be perfectly sure. yeah, honest it's the third um, best terminator film. It, it, it ex- exactly. <laughs> exactly so um uh
1: but that again was was incredibly interactive and and yeah you, you know you had, you had live action mixed mixed with um you know, Still. movie mixed with you know three D experience, and yeah, it was really so. Yeah, it's it's interesting how that's become a an extension of the movies and a and a new piece of entertainment, really.
0: Yeah. Um,
3: you know. Cool. <laughs> so, um, but uh, so the alien encounters back in two thousand. Yes. So, so they put on this event. And uh, I had these two alien costumes and I I was asked did I want to wear them and be one of the aliens, which I did not want to do at all. (laughs) Um, Although I did the following year, I did give it a go for about an hour and my brother had a go and uh, yeah, it's not my cup of tea but it was was fun I must say. But um, So I decided that instead of doing that I would lend the the team the costumes. Because they had, they already had two aliens, but with my customers they'd have another two. So obviously, the more aliens, the, the better. Uh, and then I decided I was going to film it. And uh, at the time, I thought I might make, uh, you know, twenty-minute documentary, just as a souvenir, stick it on online on YouTube or something. And then when I saw the footage, I thought, wow, this is, this is really quite interesting. Maybe I should uh, do a bit more with it. And uh, so I edited it, and I, we made some DVDs up. And, Space Center sold the DVDs. I think we sold about 200, yeah. and again, all the money went to the, um, the Medi Cinema, which is a charity that takes movies into hospitals yes. for, for yeah. sick yeah, kids and terminal patients. So, yeah. really, really good cause. And in fact, that was the, uh, the charity that, that we yeah, sort of nominated to uh, almost every year. I think when the show. Um, so I, yeah, I, I made that video. I didn't think anything more about it for another couple of years, and then there was an event in Atlanta. In the states, where they have a convention called Dragon Con and they have the world's largest costuming parade, um, and basically the whole town turns up on a on a Saturday afternoon for what amounts to like a Rio-style street carnival through the city of Atlanta, with people lining both you know both sides of the pavement, you know, thousands of people out in the streets as uh, you know legions of stormtroopers march down. Wow. The main street in Atlanta, followed by legions of colonial marines and legions of uh, Battlestar Galactica guys and all kinds of kind of sci-fi and movie-related uh, uh, costumes, you know. So like a big cosplay thing. So I went to that and I, and I filmed some of these uh, aliens guys doing the parade and I think they met Lance Henriksen and Carrie Henn that year, you know, from the movie and. Uh, so we got some I got some footage of them. And it was after I came back from that event, I thought, well maybe I can maybe there's a documentary in this, these people that go to these events, make these costumes. So it really started from there. Uh, and as time's gone on, because obviously it's a slow build documentary, I'm waiting for these events to actually happen get wind of them so I can figure is that a good one to include so I've done this for more years than I care to admit now um, but it's actually given me uh, a lot in the way of material and uh, now I cover all kinds of things not just the, the guys that wear the costumes but also people that have been involved uh, with uh, some of the publishing companies in 20th Century Fox making uh, the recent books that have come out and artwork for, for books and things like that mm-hmm. a whole range of uh, skills from large diverse group of fans really so it it covers pretty much anyone who's a fan of alien and who's done something extraordinary i suppose you might say well i mean um so was it in 2006 then that you met the uh uk colonial marines well that year they didn't exist and it was at that event they kind of formed because all all it amounted to on on, on that particular at that particular event was lots of guys with these alien costumes and clothing marine costumes and then they, they formed an outfit from that known as the UKCM uh, and, uh, and they started going to shows and doing sort of charity work and appearances. and yeah and it went from there um, yeah they still, they still do quite a lot of that you know couple of those kind of events yeah. And when did they start doing, because um, they uh, give, they, they
0: came up with a, a set of uh, wings, isn't it? Uh, pilot wings and they have a, there's silver ones that the public can buy, but there's gold ones that they give to the cast and crew of the Alien film. so when did that start?
3: Yeah, there's a slight distinction between the, uh, the costuming side, UKCM, and the Alien's Legacy, which is anyone that is a member of that website, that forum. Uh, doesn't necessarily dress up and go to shows. Um, There's a larger number that are just kind of regular people that might make models or just have an interest in the films. And uh, the kind of, uh, I guess the admins or the the top blogs at that um, website, you might say, came up with the idea of the Aliens Legacy Gold Awards where where you go to these shows and meet say Lance Hendrickson or someone that was in the movie instead of just getting their autograph you actually can present them with a certificate to say thanks for thanks for taking part in the movie and thanks for the inspiration you've given us and you know to show a bit of love that that kind of thing um, and when that was when that was that idea was uh, Founded they, um, one of the guys there who's uh, a designer, he actually designed a pair of what they call dropship wings based on the dropship Aliens, which is uh a gold uh, lapel, uh, gold plate lapel pin, uh, in a really nice case which they then give with the certificate to the recipient. And um, at this stage, I think most of the car shamanian aliens have been have received wow. Uh, you know, I've been in receipt of, of that award, um, and we did uh, we presented to Sigourney Weaver actually uh, late two thousand fourteen. So she she was the hardest one to get because she's only started doing these kind of shows uh, in in the last eighteen months, I guess. Yeah. And you captured um, all of this. Yeah, you've. Got... No, I wasn't allowed to oh. film her unfortunately. Oh, yeah, shame. yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, the organisers from that show in Canada weren't, weren't, um yeah. wouldn't uh, permit us to film that. Right, um, but yeah, most of the other ones we've got, and we've got a photo of her receiving the award. So you right, know, right. I can. That's one of the challenges of actually the filmmaking,
0: of, of, of the
3: filmmaking with this thing, because uh, there was uh, a, there's a girl called Melissa Classen who lives in Canada, and a few years ago they brought out a game called Aliens: Cloning Marines. <coughs> and when the game uh, came out, it was it was quite controversial because they'd had trailers for it and they'd advertised it um, with a certain graphic capability, shall we say. When the actual finished game came out, it didn't look like the game they'd advertised. And there was even a pending court case at one point, but basically the fans just hated the game in general. There was a massive backlash towards the game. and um, uh, But before the game actually came out, uh, Melissa headed up a petition, because I think at that time there were no female playable characters in the game. And I think uh, my statistics won't be quite right here because I can't remember, but something like you know thirty percent of uh, game players these days are actually female,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and um, there wasn't a female playable character in the game. So she had set up a petition, and which went viral, and uh, I think Sega and Gearbox, I think it might have been actually actually respond to the petition at, at the time. Um, so she became quite well known, um, and we did a, a shot a video for her uh, with Trevor Steedman, actually, who presents Alien Counties, and with some of the other, which involved some of the other cast members from Aliens uh, to actually back the petition. and uh, The developers did do an about turn. And after she'd done this petition so um, it, is kind,
1: it is kind of bizarre when you think about it when you know the, 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 the movie franchise that sort of started with a, a strong female protagonist um, kind of kind of missed that out of this particular game That's yeah so that
0: was I think that was just one of its problems there was, there was lots of problems I remember seeing the video uh, that they showed where you know you were running around as a marine fighting aliens you could jump in a power loader you could attack these sort of newer designed aliens and then when the game came out um, there was none of that and most of the time you were off fighting humans right right or um or when it did come down to the aliens it was very it, it wasn't what they had promised promised us it wasn't what they showed us so it was yeah. a massive
3: disappointment yeah. for the sort of game but game then
0: Sega came out with uh alien isolation which has a female lead in it and was just a brilliant game.
3: Yeah, I've heard good things oh, yeah. about. It's,
0: that. It's, yeah, yeah it is it's great. one of the scariest games I've played in a long time. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah,
0: hats off um, to them for bringing that. Yeah.
1: We, so, with regards to numbers, yeah. then you know this this forum and then obviously the, the, the people who dress up and go out. I mean, how,
3: how many sort of members has it got? I'm not sure about the forum itself, but it, it will range probably in the late hundreds or thousands I think um, when I shot those guys in Atlanta uh, I think there was uh, 70 cosplayers 70 marines and, and aliens so you know that's it's uh, quite a lot yeah,
1: when
0: no,
3: you see absolutely. them all together you know with the pulse rifles and the, all kinds of uh you know, smart guns and things like that, and they, you know, a lot of the props are screen accurate, and a lot of the costumes are screen accurate, and they really do look the part.
1: And do they? Do they personalize their armor like yeah. the actors did in
3: the uh, yeah. in the film? Yes, yeah. all of that. Uh, all of that's done. And Oh, very cool, but but yeah, talking about um Melissa, the point I was going to make about her is that she became well known for that um game petition, so it was decided that she'd be the person to present Sigourney Weaver with this uh Aliens Legacy Gold Award. Um, so we went to Canada hoping to be able to shoot the presentation, but we, we didn't get permission to do that, but we were allowed to take a photo. Um, And when we came after that moment of actually presenting Sigourney with the award, taking the photograph, and then coming out of the uh, the curtained off area where she was actually signing and meeting people. the organizers arranged organisers to have us thrown out. They actually threw Melissa out, and Melissa's like heavily disabled. Yeah, she uh, she'd made the trip. Uh, I think they'd spent 12 hours driving overnight to get to this event. Her mother had driven, and uh, they actually threw her out from the event, and everyone with her, even though we'd had permission to take photographs. So uh, it was an extraordinary situation, and uh, shameful of them to do that. Um, yeah, bizarre. But you know, it, it gave me a story for the uh, for the film, so it's yeah, right. interesting sometimes what you think you're going to get turns out to be something completely different. How much has the documentary changed since uh, what you were going to start with, and how it's sort of now turning out to be? Yeah, quite a bit really, because when I started making it, it, it was mostly about this costuming crew, mm-hmm. and I've uh, and so I actually had a cut which we showed at the London Sci-Fi Film Festival. I'd actually had the film finished at that point. Um, but then I decided to, to carry on working on it and, and bring some other sort of elements into it. I wanted to make it more diverse and not just about uh, the costume inside of it. So it's changed quite a bit. And also, the film was fairly good in terms of uh, the events that were going on and shown in the film. But I felt it lacked something as far as, you know, what, were, what was the story. and. As it turned out, for the 25th anniversary, uh, I actually was somebody else. I I organized the 25th anniversary convention, which we had at the um, Space Center. The son, you came down, down, shot shot the videos for us (laughs) and uh, and the panels. And and what that amounted to was it was the fans reuniting the cast. So it was all the guys off that forum, uh, myself. You know, reaching out to people, uh, getting them over from America, uh, and actually organizing that convention. And unlike most um, Comic Cons or things these days, which are made as commercial enterprises, this was made just for the love of the, the fans and and the the cast and crew. So we had panels and discussions and we had uh, a dinner on a Saturday night which anybody could buy a ticket to. Things that you wouldn't get at Comic Con, for instance. That kind of access that you would never get at those events. in a million years. So it was a real intimate uh, kind of affair. And that's when I realised that's what the story was. It's the fans reuniting the cast. That's the interesting Mm -hmm. part for me. And I thought, that's it. That's it. Here's people from all different walks of life. You might be a plumber or a teacher or a coal miner. And everybody's coming together with this common interest. Aliens. Alien. Mm -hmm. And organising a convention and bringing these people together. And um, that was was real magic. Fantastic, that sounds really interesting. That, that's the part of the film. That and when Melissa gets the mix of Gordon Weaver, you know, that was, yeah. yeah. So it's changed quite, quite a bit. Uh, I'd say it's, um, and also since I've been making it, you know, two of the people that met online have now got married, okay. and, and you know, Gemma married a guy in Canada purely from making acquaintance on that on that forum as aliens fans. Wow! Um, okay. Um, so it's uh, we got a romantic romantic story in there as well. So um, it, it's a lot more. It's got the soul that I was looking for, which I, I felt I didn't have before. So. So what sort of running time is it looking at currently then? Originally it was 85 minutes and I'm still working on it, I finished in September and it's at the two hour mark now. Okay, Um, But you know I could have easily split it into, because one of the things you have to think about making something like this is where's it going to get seen, you know Mm -hmm. I mean I had it shown at the film festival in London you know, on the big screen when we had that one off streaming,
0: um,
3: But, you know, it's not going to play at cinema most of the time. It be on a DVD or something like that. So, mm-hmm. at the moment, I still prefer the idea of having it as a singular film, no longer than two hours. Um, but, you know, I have given some thought as to whether I should split it and have it part one and part two, so maybe I'll do that. I'll, I'll see how it goes, I'll get some feedback, I'll probably invite you guys to stream screening at some point to see what you think. <laughs> you and i a finish from there, really. That
1: sounds fabulous.
3: And I have to ask, your
1: two alien costumes, Yeah. yeah. Um, are they the... Uh, you know, the, 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 the Geiger ones or the Stan Winston ones, so smooth smooth head or scaly head?
3: <laughs> scaly head. I'll tell you for why as well, the, 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 the Stan Winston costumes yes. are kind of recast from those original costumes. So they're quite a bit smaller because of recasting and shrinkage and, and everything else. They're, they're smaller than the originals would have been by a couple of, two or three sizes in fact. But, um, you know, unless you're really big, you can, you can get into them. And you basically sew, like the films, you sew the rubber parts onto lycra anyway. and uh, But the heads are quite tough to get on, because the holes are so much smaller, because they're like 3rd or fifth generation Loom cars. But people do it, they hollow the heads out more, and they, they build these costumes. But the reason I got those is because they're freely available on eBay, and have been since, uh, I guess, about... Two thousand four, two thousand five. There's a couple of guys in the states that have got these parts and, and manufacture them, and you can buy a kit on eBay for about five hundred dollars, wow. and then you'll spend probably another four hundred dollars with the accessories and the glues and the resins and the paints that you'll need to sort of put it together. But. Um, you can get, there are specialist makers who will make a Giga costume, which isn't a million miles away from the Winston costume, as, as you know, um, but they'll cost a lot more because they're kind of bespoke. They'll mm-hmm. uh, take, You know, they're tailor-made and um, they, they'll run you a couple of thousand. But I've seen, I've seen those and they're quite amazing. They're, mm-hmm. they're definitely the, the better costumes. For the purposes of something like the, uh, the Alien Encounter show, uh, which is sadly not no more, by the way, um, then the cheaper costumes are perfect because you're jumping out the shadows anyway, yes, you know? yes, and then yes. you're under strobe lighting and things like that, so. But yeah, people buy them and they wear them at these uh, Comic-Con events, and it's always a popular one, the Alien, because it, it's just the fun factor, you know, you jump out at someone and, uh, you know, they, they always go down well. I've never done that myself at a show, but um, actually I did it once in uh, Belgium, yeah, All right. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and it, it was a lot of fun, but I found the costume intolerable to wear. I can imagine. It's not oh, my, yeah. it's not my thing at all. But yeah. um, as a one-off, it was kind of fun to do. Wow. Okay.
0: So um, I remember one of the stories uh, that was in the documentary that you showed at uh, Sci-Fi London was about uh, Gareth, who is a alien performer. Yeah. Is uh, his story still in there? Because that was kind of it was quite a, a very moving story, especially the stuff he said on camera.
3: Yeah. I mean. Gareth is six foot seven and uh, he's quite lanky he's he's fairly slim so he's perfect in an alien costume when you put him in that costume because the head sits on top of your head a little bit he's, uh, he's over seven foot so he's the perfect build for an alien and I think since he had nightmares as a kid he's basically always wanted to be an alien so he does it uh, sort of um, semi-professional now. He, d- he does a lot of events, and uh, he's been on children in need, all, all kinds of stuff. You yeah. know, as uh, Abe the Alien or AT Alien, as he's more commonly known. Um, yeah, yeah. You can, you can always tell when it's him because he's, he's the
0: alien with the dog collar on.
3: Yeah, he wears a red-studded uh, dog collar, so he's quite um, he's, he's quite um, uh, distinctive. You can always pick him out of the crowd because he's so tall as well. But yeah, he plays the part. Really well. I studied the mannerisms and the feelings. He's totally into it. And so a lot of these people that do this costuming, they really—they like the Marines as well. They, some of them, they take it very seriously. You know, in a tongue-in-cheek way, but they, they take it seriously when they're performing, as it were. And uh, but they still—I uh, recognise at the end of the day, it's just a bit of fun. And uh, so everybody's pretty down to earth and um, yeah, it's quite a thing. For, kids, right? kids love it. When you, when you go to these shows and there's a seven-foot alien there and the kids are not quite sure, they know how to approach the kids without, you know, the young kids, I mean, without frightening them and, uh, you know, so they, they handle it responsibly, and, you know, I mean, if you're an adult female, then you're fair game, they'll just, people just lunge at you, you know, so, um, yeah, and people will run off streaming, so,
1: well, it's amazing what a uh, legacy this whole thing has got. I mean, y- well, you know, we, we, yeah. myself and Simon always joke of sort of how many times on our podcasts we end up mentioning yeah, yeah, or coming yeah. back to the Alien franchise. It's most episodes, but, uh, I think. It's, it's, uh, it's, it seems yeah. to pop up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, I think the, the final question I have for you is um, how did you get Travis Steedman involved in the documentary? Because he's the host-stroke narrator, isn't he?
3: Yeah, so Trevor, he played uh, Private Rose Bowsky in, in Aliens. And I met him, I think it was 2008, at, uh, when we did one of these, it would have been the third uh, Alien Encounter show at the NSC, National Space Center. And he was our special guest that year and a recipient of the Aliens Legacy Gold Award. Um, and so yeah, he was invited up, to, he got up in a hotel. Um, we usually stay in the hotel with the, with all the cast and uh, every, everyone's under the same roof and in the, in the evening we'll have a dinner on, on the Saturday night after the, the encounters closed down and um, so I met him there and uh, did a few other uh, kind of commercial unrelated uh, uh, you know uh, film production projects with him uh, and I said do you, do you fancy doing writing this documentary that I'm doing and uh, and he said yeah so um, which is brilliant. Really lucky to get him, and uh, he's been really passionate about the whole thing. And the thing I say about Trevor is, is that he sort of he gives without wanting anything in return. You know, uh, he's just been completely into it. And he's a producer on. It's been going on for so long now. He's now a producer on the uh, uh, on the production, and um, he's been brilliant. Yeah. I mean, if you can get a cast member to present a documentary, then uh, yeah, that's a great place to be. And, um, and uh, yeah I mean, the other good thing about Trevor is that he wasn't not everyone was involved in the aliens uh, anthology um, documentaries, which are extensive, but obviously those guys couldn't get to everyone uh, for every you know for every single every single thing they were doing so it was kind of nice to use someone that wasn't on that um, yeah, so really lucky to to have him really. And, uh, well, no, he's very, uh,
0: from what I've seen, he's very good in it. I mean, I've I the bits where um, he is interacting with the other, um, with the fans. there's a, They do like a bug
3: hunt, didn't they? Where he was in armor running around chasing the aliens. Yeah, that, that was amazing. That was uh, um, when we when they did the alien encounter that year. Because the alien encounter is in in a, in a certain part of the space where so you buy a ticket, you go in. And as... Uh, there are sideshows to that as well where there are dealerships with um, props and things like that and talks and lectures about the films and one of the other things they did was called a bug hunt which was uh, basically the alien is on the loose and this was designed purely for kids by the spa- by a lady who worked at the space center the kids would have to hunt the alien they'd be given the clues they would have to go and find the alien with the marines so the alien would be captured, and then the kids would all get a suite or, or something like that. And at that point, Trevor actually asked if he could dress up in one of the guys, uh, you know, yeah. costumes. So it was completely his idea and uh, unprecedented, really. And so you had this uh, original cast member dressed in the armor for the first time in you know 25 years, um, you know, since he'd been on the film taking part in one of the events wow. with yeah. the children so it was absolutely uh it was just a brilliant moment and you saw and put this stuff on yeah and he still looked the part that, that he did the thing. yeah you know yeah. he's, he's a, a big strong guy and um he looked like the marine you wouldn't mess with you know? well i remember because you had like a whole load of posters made up for the documentary yeah. of course one of the posters was him in his full armor that's right yeah yeah as i recall uh he had uh Gareth the a- A.T. alien on, on a leash I think in, the, in that picture yeah, yeah. no he, he, he's an amazing sport he was, he's just happy to get involved he, he truly loves the movie um, it's one of the, his favourite productions that he's ever worked on to this day and um, I think the thing about Alien and Aliens and um, especially the first two movies is that people just adore those films and uh, I, I think Aliens lends itself to costuming in a way that Alien doesn't, for obvious yeah. reasons, you know, because anybody can dress up and be uh, a Marine, whereas in Alien you'd have to be something specific if you were going to be Sigourney yeah. Weaver or Parker or whatever, you yeah. know. So Alien yeah. lends itself to, to mm. that in, in a unique way compared to the other movies, I think. And, um, you know, if you're going to wear a costume, then it's, it's, it feels pretty good to have a, you know, a pulse rifle in your hand. So that's why, I think that's why the costume is popular. And yeah, just to see him dressed up like that amongst all those guys, I think that that just was a dream come true for a lot of those people. You know. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's cool. So what what stage are you
1: at with this now then? And what's the plan? Yeah.
3: Well, I'm just finalising editing really. I've got a record originally at the end of the film I had do you remember the theme tune from Cheers? Yes. Uh, everybody, yeah. everybody knows your name. I had a montage at the end everybody kind of having fun at the end of the film a pre-credit sequence uh, cut to that song played by a rock band called the wild hearts um, it's like a rock version of that song which is mm-hmm. an absolutely brilliant song but the rights are so expensive I just had to drop it unfortunately i couldn't I couldn't get afford the rights to it um, and we probably will be doing a, a kickstarter or, or something like that near at a time to maybe try and work some of those some of the rights issues out that got with certain materials but um, that song would just cost so much I don't even mm-hmm. think I could prop it up with uh, a, you know, a Kickstarter campaign. Um, so um, I've written a song actually to play out with instead which um, is slightly different and I think will work probably even better. So I've got to get that song recorded, I've, I've uh, got to get a band ready to record that song. Um, and then I'm pretty much done, other than that. So I think should all be, uh, you know, wrapped by uh, September on that. Because um, you know I'm doing it in my spare time, and uh, you know DCP done on that by then. Uh, and from uh, from there, I'll start talking to people about distribution. Uh, interestingly, for anybody that's sort of you know, makes films themselves. The last three years, as this film has been, uh, we we had a screening some time ago at the film festival, as I talked about earlier, and uh, at that point, it went up on IMDb and started getting ratings, which is quite nice, because it's got a fairly good rating. Um, And I just didn't bother changing, you know, putting the date back. In the time that I've been making it, I've had um, distributors actually come to me from, I had one die a couple of months back from Israel, from like uh, the biggest TV station These are yeah, your, in Israel, interested in distribution okay, there. So your, uh, if you're making a film, it's it's interesting that sometimes people will come knocking on your door. I mean, I think the o- the only reason is is because it's a franchise kind of uh, yeah. property. Also, you know,
1: I guess it's the 30th anniversary of yeah. Aliens, isn't it this
3: year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah so I, I think because of that, because it's t- because it's all about that world, alien. You know, the alien sort of. Uh, fandom I think uh, you know that people are interested in picking it up so I'll see how that plays out when it's finished and when I actually go back to some of those people and start exploring uh, other avenues
0: and, uh, yeah I mean ideally I'd,
3: I'd like it to it'd be great if you could sit on something like a future release of the, the blu-rays or something like that or some kind of online streaming thing if any of it goes that way so we'll see if that happens as well because it would kind of sit well amongst all that other stuff yeah well
1: they'll probably do something for the 40th anniversary release of <laughs> uh, you know the franchise yeah, won't they the 8k whatever.
3: version but, or something yeah, sort of yeah the,
1: uh, well the, yeah the 4k UHD version uh, yeah. or whatever But uh, I don't know. when it comes to the 40th anniversary
0: will there be physical media <laughs> wow <laughs> will
3: it just be streamed into our brains ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder where it's all going, that's for sure, but, yeah, but yeah, so you know, there's um, I think after September, then there's I've still got a lot to do, as you know. You know, anyone that's made a film will know that once you've made the film, you're only halfway through the process, really. Yeah, how are you going to get people to see it? Yeah. Um, so that there's a lot to explore there, and um, all I'm really can. I, I never made it with a view to making any money out of this or anything like that. All, all I want really is for people to see this. Yeah. And, um, Passion project. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. And, um, and also as a calling card because you make something. Obviously, you want to make something else afterwards. So um, that was for me. That, that that's the reward, and um, I hope people like it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly want to see it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We'll have you down for streaming as soon as it's as soon as it's ready. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you for talking to us. Uh, well, thanks for having us. Well, yeah, pleasure talking about it. <laughs>
0: well, we're back. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Um so we're just gonna round this off now. Uh just to sort of talk about our thoughts about the um the forthcoming films or film uh in the franchise because we've got uh, Alien Covenant coming out, which um originally was gonna be a Prometheus sequel, but is now an alien sequel. Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, um, uh, I haven't read a lot about it. I've quite kind of avoided it um, on the most part, but uh, yeah, I find this a bit of a bizarre one in so much as um, you know, and and this really is a whole nother podcast, I guess, but the, the, we can talk about Prometheus um, endlessly, I'm sure. Uh, But you know, With Prometheus, they always tried to sort of, he ended up trying to sort of distance himself from Alien and just having it as something that's sort of set in the same world as, but not necessarily about the Alien as such. So it's interesting that with this sequel to Prometheus, that they're sort of going back to it being an Alien film again. And it just makes me wonder whether that is, you know, they've listened to... Um, you know fan and uh critics reaction uh to to prometheus because uh i think it did get you know some criticism um because of that fact so maybe this is their way of trying to sort of fix that i don't know
0: well, I think the problem with Prometheus was that it, it asked a lot of questions and didn't answer them and then left it at a point where it's like, well, we'll answer it all in the next film. Mm-hmm. And now it looks like the next film has got nothing to do with Prometheus.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 got Michael Fassbender back as as David, hasn't it? So um...
0: yeah, but David is a line of androids. Yes, If you remember from all the sort of advertising they did for Prometheus, especially the... The advert for the david android there's more than one of them it's it's a line of androids so he could be anywhere yeah in the universe because there's so many of these androids out there yeah but um you know there's looking at the uh cast list there's no no mirror piece in
1: there mm. no no it's uh yeah I- interesting uh as i said there's there's not i don't know a lot about it um Uh, I haven't read sort of too much on it either, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm, you you know, I I will, I will obviously watch it. (laughs) You you, you know, uh, it's not a Harry Potter film, so I'll I'll definitely go and see it. No, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's, it's interesting where they're going. I mean, at one point there was talk of, they were going to have, they were going to have a sequel to prometheus which ridley was going to do and then they were going to have a fifth alien film which ridley was going to produce but i'm guessing that this has kind of replaced that idea now has it have i got that right
0: um i'm not sure uh i'm what you're talking about is the neil Blomquist, that's it um project yes which was um something he'd been working on and then got shelved and he went on social media showing all these images of like hicks and um ripley and i think newt was supposed to be in it as well and they they were sort of disregarding alien free and alien resurrection Mm -hmm. and that they were just making it a direct sequel to aliens interesting yeah you know it it looked very interesting uh You know, I'm I am a big fan of District 9, Uh, not such a big fan of the other two films that Neil Blomkamp has made. Um, So but yeah, it would be interesting to see what a filmmaker like him would do with the series. But what with Alien Covenant being made now, we don't know if, you know, if the uh, Neil Blomkamp Alien 5 is going to go ahead or not. I mean it's still listed on IMDb. It's listed for a, a 2017 release,
1: which is the same year as this is is Covenant, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, I don't know. It's yeah. Could be interesting. I mean it's a you know for Fox this is a, a big franchise and um, Yeah. You, you, you know obviously we we talked I think we touched a little bit on on this a uh, couple of podcasts back about um you know, all of the studios are uh, all trying to make sure they've got their sort of major franchise tentpole type movies and, um, y- y- you know, churning them out. And uh, I know we've already sort of discussed as to whether that's a good or bad thing, but um, the, the, the point is whether it is good or bad, it exists. And and, and this is what's going to start happening now. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that, um, you know, the Alien franchise is is one that's, you know gonna gonna continue um i i think i mentioned on other podcasts uh, you know other other than the first two movies um i've got my issues with with all of the sequels strokes spin-offs etc whether Mm. it be the ones with the predator characters as well or even prometheus you know which as i said i was lucky enough to be involved on but even that i've got my um my, my my problems with uh yeah I, I mean i do as well but having said that you know all of those films uh i own either on blu-ray or dvd and you y- you know i can't help the allure of this franchise and the allure of of the alien itself and and that sort of world um I can't help but sort of, you know, buy into it really, uh, for, 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 better or worse. So, um, you, you, you know, am I apprehensive about some of this stuff? Yes. But by the same merit, I'm also excited by it. So, um, you, you, you know, I look forward, uh, to next year and, and the possibility of seeing more alien movies. Yeah. I mean, I, you know,
0: I, I will go and see it when it comes out next year, but, um, the thing is, my feeling is that I, I I wish they sort of maybe left this alone now and moved on to other stuff. Just because every time they make another, you know, alien film, it just dilutes it.
1: Oh, of course it does. Yeah, I mean, this is the problem with lots of things. The more of it you have, the more it dilutes it. But, you know, this is about commerce at the end of the day and, and yeah. what makes money. And the, the, the thing is, you know, there are those, there are those bits that, um. And I get this as well. You don't have to accept all of it. I mean, there are those love alien and aliens. And as far as they're they're concerned, none of the other films, particularly the alien versus predator ones and whatever even exist, you know, Mm. Um, to a certain, to a certain extent, Prometheus kind of rebooted some of that stuff a little bit um, in terms of, even though it's, you, you know, it was sort of a precursor to alien, um, it definitely ignored some of the things that had been set up in uh, the alien versus predator films which are supposed to take place before that
0: those so. films are just really not canon at all because if if that was the, the case then we've had alien encounters on earth for a long time yeah you know we, we we've actually had like a you know a small town in America destroyed because they've had aliens there. But you know, so when they go to LV four twenty six, you know they should have some idea of what's what's going to be there. Instead of like no idea, yeah. But um, no, I mean th- those films, those films are garbage, and they just, <laughs> I mean, seriously, are garbage. And you know, they're not canon; they don't exist. You know, the f- the first and and Prometheus. The problem with Prometheus that I really have is the fact that they try and make out. That the um, the creature we saw, the the space jockey, was one of these engineers.
1: Mm, yeah,
0: and you. So you have this weird creature. So you start off seeing the skeleton of this weird creature that looked like it's been in that seat for thousands of years, and then we find out that no, actually, a couple of years ago, yeah, <laughs> they, they they found them and they're actually tall albino people. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, the the thing about Prometheus is it should have been its own film it should just not have been anything to do with the alien universe because in some ways it's not i mean the thing is you've you've got like um ash in the first alien who's an android but he seems to be really inferior when compared to david Mm. because david is like an emotional being where ash really isn't
1: yeah yeah no i mean yeah there's there's you know it opens up a whole sort of thing which which you know we could have endless conversation on but i mean the the thing with 20th century fox and these franchises is i kind of feel the same way about the the predator franchise as i do the alien one is beyond the first couple of movies it, it, it's it's not very good um because you know i also wasn't a big fan of the predators film that came yeah. out a few years back i thought that was a a major missed opportunity as well so um so i
0: just i just i just love the way you said that it just made them sound like they're they're very posh (laughs) you know the upper class predators that go out hunting at the weekend (laughs) we're going to do a spot of human hunting this weekend (laughs) oh pip pip (laughs) yeah you know uh, the predators predators,
1: (laughs) and of course um again back to the going sort of full circle here with our conversation Mm. back to the the sort of aforementioned dark horse graphic novel um route uh again Mm -hmm. you know they handled the sort of alien versus predator um thing you know way before any of the movies and from what memory serves in a much more satisfying way yes
0: yes and also the fact that the they those comics took place after the um the adventures of ellen ripley so it was in the same kind of you know ballpark. It wasn't set in the past. It wasn't set you know in our times. Yeah, which is which was the major problem with the, well, one of the major problems with the aliens versus predator films as the fact that the predators, you know, in the first film, come up with a, a pyramid trap thing, you know, and they send in their warriors without any you know proper weapons. Yes.
1: It's just and yeah, listeners, uh, if, you, if you want to hear more about that, go back yes. to our first episode Ford WS
0: Anderson because <laughs> I really rag on you that, do. You do. <laughs> and, and
1: classic it is too, so yeah, that... <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, it is indeed. Um, so yeah, I mean, so i think this will we'll wrap up our uh alien celebrations yeah,
1: happy 426 anyway <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> yes join us again next week for our normal programming uh where we'll be looking at uh another director in uh, the a to z of uh directors so um let's uh sign off in our usual manner so keith um where can we find your work? well
1: if you're still listening <laughs> you can you can find my work <laughs> on youtube if you go to british isles that's e-y-l-e-s uh there are some films on there that i've written produced and directed
0: okay and you can find my work always at independentrunnings.com. Uh you can listen to this podcast on itunes stitcher mixcloud uh player fm and youtube um you can uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, just search movie heaven, movie hell, and please leave us a review and rating on iTunes and Stitcher. So, thank you for joining us, and uh, this is Simon Aiken, last survivor of Nostromus, signing up. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs>